Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Ask Industry Podcast, episode 44. My name is Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, the internet. Joe Charman is a online sensation. I don't think he'd like being called that, but I'm going to go with it. He has nearly 1 million likes on Facebook and over 133 million loops on Vine, where he originally found fame being the skills guy. Uh, I got him on to talk about his new company, uh, creating online content for brands and for people, and uh, how to create your own online fan base. If you are looking at starting your own fan base using the internet and free content, this is the podcast for you. If you are enjoying the podcast, please do remember to subscribe and leave it a rating on iTunes. It really does help out. Also, if you are interested in starting your own fan base, you might also be interested in my book. It's called How to Make a Living by Working for Free, and it is literally on that subject. So if you would like to preview the first couple of chapters, you can find it on my website, which is simoncane.co.uk. You can find a link in the show notes. Also, you can listen to it. That If you're subscribed to this podcast, there is a link or there was a there was a download a few episodes ago where I read you the first couple of chapters so you can just put it on and listen to my lovely voice reading you my lovely book. Any more delays or shit adverts? This is why Joe does the adverts and I do not. But I was told by a voiceover agent not to do adverts and I'm, she's right. So buy my book so I don't have to do any voiceover adverts. That would be really appreciated. Without any more delays, this... Is Joe Charman? Uh, I've forgotten where you got to on the end of that question. Pretty much summed it all up. <laughs> okay, pretty much summed everything up. Yeah, no, done, that, done. The, the first part of that, yeah, I think that I think I pretty much got that question done. Okay, let's talk about stand up then quickly because sure. you you sort of mentioned well you were you are were a comedian would you would you say uh, you're a comedian? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough one now. I mean, I still like to think I'm a comedian. I built it all off of comedy you know mm. like the the social media thing has yeah. progressed from me doing stand-up um it's just i don't go and perform to a live room anymore my audience is online but more recently uh, i mean i changed my facebook <laughs> you know you can change yeah, it yeah, yeah. uh to <laughs> basically say joe charman comedian but i've changed that recently to entertainer yeah, because that. it's like a you know it's a bit more of a general term because mm. Not everything I do, especially with the trick shot mm. stuff now, it's not comedy. It might have a slight amusing, amusing. spin to it, yeah. but there's no joke. I'm doing, I'm performing 
for enjoyment. Yeah. So entertainer is what I I tend to go for now. I'm I'm by no means a stand-up comic at the moment Mm. because I do still plan to go back into it. Mm. It's just as the social media built up, you have to dedicate so much time to it, like you do with the stand-up. You know, if you're going to bother doing it, like when I first did stand-up, I didn't see any of my friends. Mm. I didn't have a girlfriend for the mm. four years. Mm. I was just stand up, yep. writing jokes, going out, doing it every day or whenever I could for four years. And it sort of then I realized that when I took up the social media and it started to progress to a point where it's like, I have to make content every day. Mm. The stand up became harder and harder to do because yeah. it's like, I can't do this all day. Mm. Then comedy by night. And go to work at like half five in the morning. Yeah. It was just no room yeah. to accommodate all of it. So I sort of did it hand in hand for a little while. Did the, the tour with Dapper mm. Laughs. And that mm. was sort of my last big stand-up run. Yeah. Um, before I just, yeah, I just decided to, to solely run with the social media. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I miss stand-up. And I, I would like to, to get back into stand-up for sure. But as you know, there's no age limit on it. No, you can step back into it. I say you, you can step me back. Old. <laughs> no, no, no. But you, you, <laughs> not you, you in particular. You're, you're but I mean, it, you, exactly. when you're on the circuit, yeah, you realise that it's not these prim and good-looking mm. guys that you see on the telly. You know, it's mm. like Everyone. older people mm. and younger people. You know, people like in their eighties being like, mm. "I've never done stand-up before, yeah, and this yeah, is yeah. my first night." You're like, "Brilliant, go yeah. you!" So, yeah. if it means that I have however long out of it, and I've, I feel that mm. maybe later on in life, when I've got more life experiences and I want to come back yeah. and do more jokes, because as you know, my comedy changed. I went mm. from telling rude jokes to being a beatbox comedian singing songs. I like mm. totally turned my act on its head, mm. but. You know, maybe it couldn't come back as a 50-year-old beatboxing gangster, but maybe I've got more worldly experiences to do more jokes and, and stuff like that. So there'll come a time, I'm sure. I think, I don't know if you've seen this guy, it's at Leicester Square. He he dresses up, so he's just a, he's a guy about our age, right. but he puts an old person mask on, and okay. he's called like the DJ Grandpa or something. Okay. And he just he just has this wheeled out DJ booth <laughs> and just starts, and like with lights, and just starts playing songs. And everyone goes for it yeah yeah so you don't know man you could be the well i found out the, the musical thing in particular worked for me because i never liked the awkward silences <laughs> you know if you tell a rude joke and that audience isn't primed or ready for it yep. you can feel like you are the only person in the world right now and everyone's yep. just staring at you yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. the the sweat dripping off you and it's a very hard thing so the music for me was a nice way to get past that because you can't hear the silence whilst the music's playing. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but it was a lot more of it. people could just enjoy it for what it was—the whole experience going on, whether it was hilarious or just mildly amusing or fun to watch. Mm. That definitely is where I retreated to with the stand-up. Mm. I find the joke telling is quite hard. Yeah. I've never been a joke teller. I've liked to think that I'm quite funny, mm. but I'm funny in a more general sense than <laughs> here is my joke and here is the punchline. I, yeah. I found that dynamic very hard because I had no. I'd never written a joke. and I, I, I did, when I first got my first stand-up gig ever, um, I went to Torriano's, mm-hmm. popular place for us, uh, where we met. Yeah. Where yeah. this love affair started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But went there. I think uh, I saw your first gig. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably. Um, I did most of my first gigs at Torriano's. Yeah. But I, I booked in my first gig uh, a month. Like, you know, I went to Torriano's, I went to Rufus and Howard and stuff and was like... Ooh, ooh, no, There's no, no, my dog. Don't, don't jump on the mics. Do not jump on the mics. Um, <laughs> I don't mind you jumping up, just not on the mics. <laughs> Hello, Colin. 
Yeah. Hi. Cheers for that. Uh. <laughs> Colin, stop, stop. This stop. is going to be one bitch to edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We've just been heckled by my dog. I know. <laughs> I might leave it in. Um, oh, it's so cute. But yeah, I, I, when I first um, met Rufus <laughs> and Howard and did the. the uh, <laughs> It's really hard to get over that. You're so cute. I like, I like how you were trying so hard to be professional. You were just yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, yeah. this is definitely a high quality. It's just a wet dog scattering about the floor. Yeah, with, you, with, you, with Hannah just running after it, like trying to run around the table. Like, with the dog. It's, uh, oh, man. Yeah, God, oh. right. Good times. Good times. Good times. Like, Shane, yeah, you guys have only got the audio. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rufus and Howard uh, ran Freedom at the Fringe. Yeah. Freedom at the Fridge. I think it's called Freedom Freedom Fringe when, when we, we started, did it, yeah. but they changed the name for some reason to Freedom Fridge. Funnier, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Always more, got more suited to it. them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I met them, and then I was like, I want to do stand up. They booked me in a month down the line. I hadn't written a single joke, so it was like I had a month to get a five minute stand up set, mm. and that really put the pressure on in in the yeah. right way. And I, yeah, I did it. I think my first gig was done to majority silence, but the. <laughs> The, the very fact that I went up and tried it mm. and did it, like the buzz, uh, it was like nothing you've yeah. ever had before. Like mm. it was immediately like, when can I have my next gig? Yeah. I've got, this has got to get better and I mm. want to progress at this because the, the few laughs that did shine out through that first thing, it was like people laughed at a joke I wrote. Yeah. yeah. So satisfying. Um, but yeah, was, uh, I forgot what the initial question was. <laughs> Just was how are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying to tell people that for years. <laughs> oh man! Um, no, I was, I was asking about stand up and and, yeah. and what because because you're not. I didn't I didn't want to label you. I don't I don't I have tr- I have troubles and problems with labels in life in general. Yeah, I think labels can be very damaging. Uh, but I I would call myself a comedian. Yeah. But I, but I didn't know whether you would still call yourself that. That was all. Um, no, I mean it. Like I said, it, as as it evolved. I felt less like I needed to be called a comedian, especially if people only knew me for the trick shots. Yeah. And then they come over to my page and they're like, you're not even funny. Why are yeah. you saying you're a comedian? You're not, you're not Lee Evans. Because yeah. you know, you've know, got to think of the majority of people. They yeah. only think a comedian is what they see on Live at the Apollo. Mm. They don't understand the different subcategories of a comedian. So mm. it just become easier to call myself an entertainer and mm. not have that sort of backlash. Because it's quite demoralising. Mm. You know, If you consider yourself a comedian and then people go, but you ain't funny. You don't yeah. do funny stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I did stand-up comedy for four years, and I did Edinburgh Fringe first. You know, it seems like a bit of an unnecessary tag. Yeah, you don't. I don't need a tagline. I don't need a label. Like me for, you know, what I do. Some people like me just because of my cute dog. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 a it's a fine line. But no, I, I mean, in my head, I think I'm a comedian. But in a more broader sense, I wouldn't say I'm a stand-up, for instance, because mm. I don't do stand-up. I can't validate that anymore. Yeah. So, um, no, just just entertainer. Yeah. All-round entertainer guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because... It's a hard label to let go of. Yeah. I tell you that. It really was really, really um, a hard one because I felt, you know, it comes a point where you've done enough gigs mm. and you get enough people going, oh, this is great, or or whatever, for you to be like... I now feel that I can call myself a stand-up comedian and people can't say that I'm not. Yeah, I've yeah. done enough gigs. I've been offered gigs. I've been paid for a gig. Mm. I am a stand-up comedian. So it's hard to let go of that because it was like an earned badge mm. that you can't now parade around because I did it 
at one point in my life yeah. you know unless you keep going with it i feel that you do lose certain labels not that it means much yeah you know yeah the, i think so i i, I realized this the other day Pete, uh, uh so alan sugar never yes. calls himself an entrepreneur right because he believes that entrepreneur is a label people give you rather than you call yourself that sure yeah that makes sense I think to a certain extent comedian is the same way it's yeah. like you can give it to yourself all you want but ultimately it should be the people that should decide if that's absolutely yeah I mean a massive thing that helps that is when promoters go that extra level and put you on a poster yeah you know and you see your face on a poster with like I've still got all my stand up posters but mm. I look back at them now and it's like I was doing gigs with like Celia Pacuola yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, Ramesh Ranganathan yeah, 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 yeah. when they were all just sort of coming through and now you're seeing it like you know I saw yeah. Ramesh on QI the other day yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. that's where everyone wants to get to like yeah. that sort of panel show that's really like you're getting there now mm. um, so to see your face on these bills with people and it's like London's newest comedians and all that that helps validate that label for you because like you say you can't I can call myself whatever I want mm. I could say that <laughs> I don't know why the, the one word that comes back if I wanted to say I'm a transvestite who are you to say that I'm not but no but you know what I mean it's, it's that's like, going to be it, the headline <laughs> like, like do you know how many hits this will get it's no. such a weird place to go yeah, yeah, yeah. but no like you said it helps when other people say that mm. then you're like oh well it must be true yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I because I was I was only asking because a I think it's good for more people to have a bit more of a background to who you are yeah because obviously if they only know you from social media yeah. or and I think there's probably a lot of comedians who only know you from social media uh-huh. or as that tour support for Dapper which we'll probably yeah, get yeah. to at some point because he was such a controversial thing and obviously it didn't you didn't get tarred with that as much but they no, knew that, who you were as a result if yeah that makes sense. absolutely yeah yeah and and I think it's worth people knowing that you did your stint or you did a stint absolutely but for, I mean. I, the, to, I mean I still get comedians adding me on Facebook and then when it's like you've got 32 mutual friends I click on it and they're all people I've done stand up yeah, with yeah. so th- they still do find me in that mm. thing but these are people that probably never seen me do stand up and they just see that I'm a mutual friend of someone yeah. else that they're a friend of um, yeah it's, it's, it's a weird one because also with the Dapper Laughs thing and you know Dapper did Daniel did really well when that first come about and to get a tour that quickly and mm. sell out a UK tour it brought a certain amount of um, negativity from stand-up comedians that felt they'd maybe earned it more or put in more hours yeah. somehow um, and then I felt that when I got offered to be the, the supporting actor on that I felt sort of uh, shunned a bit from certain comedians like that I had got on there before them through just being friends with this guy rather than mm. having earned it so it's a I, at that point i started to distance myself from people that were clearly being a bit negative about mm. it um but yeah it's, it's again i've forgotten what the initial point is. <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> again i just said how are you doing today <laughs> um no I, i've got a tendency to ramble about this sort of stuff no it's fine it's fine that's why i'm here um the i mean yeah i know what you're saying I will, we'll get to. I won't. I won't jump onto the dapper thing right now because sure. that's sort of a yeah. Uh, let's let's Alexa. go through yeah, your yeah. go through your career. Because for me, when I first saw you do comedy, I remember. I remember distinctly you having a. Jo- I, I can edit this out if you don't. No, no, go for it. But I'm I remember not. you had a joke about uh, the favorite. The favorite thing for a young man is the sofa co- or the the yeah. Do you the remember sofa that? joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. I, and I remember. I remember not finding the joke funny, but the action you did afterwards, like the thrusting. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you did it with, you kept eye contact with someone every time. Yeah, and just yeah, yeah, thrusted, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's awkward and funny. I'm, I'm, I'm naturally a more darker. I, I love rude jokes. Mm. I love stuff that you're not meant to really laugh mm. at. I do love all that. And that's where I went when I first started doing stand up was to yeah. that dark place, you yeah. know. And likewise with my little brother when he mm. got over to, there wasn't a subject that we wouldn't touch. I yeah. mean, unless we're clearly know when it, you're, you're going too far and you're, you're yeah. using real derogatory terms or insulting someone but it didn't mean that a subject was totally mm. taboo yeah so i was quite happy to go there with it i, I thrived in that for for a little while but then i i realized that you are, i was only going to get so far yeah doing that so i had to slightly tidy it up and clean it up here and there and then i felt like i was actually moving away from what i really wanted to do mm. you know i felt i wasn't being really that true to myself mm. And it was uh, Nathan Leach, a.k.a. Custard Chucker, um, that first saw me doing beatbox looping. And he was like, why don't you make that into a comedy routine? Mm. Like, if you really enjoy it that much, this could be well funny. You know, Mm. it's sound effects and funny voices and voice changers. Mm. There's so much scope to play with. Mm. So... I thought, well, you know what? If I'm trying to tidy up and clean up my act a bit, this Mm. might just be... I might just leave that all behind and go solely for this new thing that is what I want to do mm. and can remain clean. Yep. Not that I didn't, you know, chuck in the odd swear word or yep. whatever, because that's, you've got to remain that slightly. But if, you, if swearing is part of your vocabulary, there's mm. no point in trying to hide away from it. Because then oh. when it comes out, you almost catch yourself and uh. apologize for it. Where So it's not worth trying to be someone you're not. But I definitely found with the beatboxing, it was a lot easier to remain true to myself, but still have scope to move forward and not just offend people for the sake of, you know, a few people be like, oh, that's well dirty. Because mm. I'm not, you know, comedy itself moved on yeah. it, from the working man club. There's no need yeah. to do mother-in-law jokes or wank dick fart jokes all the time. Yes, they are funny, but there's a time and a place scattered amongst what has to be a slightly more intelligent, thought-out yeah. set. Yeah. You know, everyone loves a fart joke, but we all told fart jokes in school. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're coming to see a stand-up comedian... You want to see something a bit more special than what your mate John would tell you down the pub. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what's the point in paying for it if John can do it? Exactly. Yeah. Or, or you know, your mate's just as funny as you, and he's he, it's all off the cuff to him. You know, you've yeah. had to sit and write all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. It was really tough because, like I said, I haven't come from an acting background or a writing background or anything. I just like comedy, mm. so I wanted to try it. Yeah. And I and I remember when you progressed into like beatboxing, and I remember you, I remember you had uh, you did some loop stuff, but you also did like gun noises and all like, the sound effects, all stuff. kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I tried to make it into a, a sort of a varied set, so it wasn't like here's my first song, here's a second, because yeah. I'm not a band. I wasn't mm. trying to come across as that. It had to have breaks and setups, and it did enable me to like the gangster song was where I first started. It was the first mm. full length song. And it had an extended version of it so that if I had a five-minute set, I could get up, do a bit of preamble about how I'm this gangster, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though clearly not, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then do the song, and that would be my nice five-minute tidy set. Mm. But then as it progressed and people were like, that's, you know, it moved on very quickly. As soon as I started doing the beatbox, I had so much more attention and mm. people wanted me for this because, you know, when you, you arrange a stand-up set, you want a vary. You know, yeah. you might want two boys, two girls, a musical act, whatever yeah. um so i found that i got a lot more attention in in doing that so i got offered more gigs and then i quickly found myself 
being like, shit, I have to write a 10-minute set, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half-hour set. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, all the other stuff came into it, the gun sound effects, and I had confetti cannons and light-up glasses. It was like a mm. novelty clowning mm. act with music and not just a guy with a guitar or a piano. Not that I don't appreciate them, yeah, but yeah, there yeah. are a lot. So it's like easier. It was a lot easier to find that I had a niche because I could make beatboxes and noises with my mouth. Yeah. That was more, it was like finding a niche within the musical niche. Yeah. So it, it definitely helped, but I, I found it, I found it harder because of how quickly it progressed. And I said, when I did Edinburgh and all that sort of stuff, you know, you, you have to have a solid yes. hour. Yeah. People, that's what they want. They don't want to come into your show and see 45 minutes and you looking at your watch going, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit early, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah, no. Um, forgotten the question yeah, yeah 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 yeah. it all just leads on and now try and bring it round to nicely summarize it and you don't have to you've clearly not listened to any episodes of this <laughs> it's just question after question after well this is a bit so so no because i i remember i remember talking to you after a, it was a gig at victoriano's yeah. and i remember you got really not frustrated but i remember you distinctly not being positive about the fact that the biggest laugh from your gangster song comes when you put your glasses on and you turn on the oh, yeah, lights yeah. and uh-huh. i and i remember and i remember when i was thinking about questions for this yeah that that felt like not in a weird way felt like your first vine in a way because it was like uh-huh. a, four, a four second setup of i'm a gangster then put on glasses silly glasses yeah that light up and that's the punchline that's that's yeah, yeah, joke yeah. setup absolutely and it's sort of and when you look at your early vines where you were doing beatboxing yeah it sort of in my head makes a very clear progression whether you clock that or whether i'm whether i'm thinking about it too much but for me it looks like that has gone from there to you found a niche but you didn't want to do it necessarily live yeah and so then you went with the niche online yeah well i mean it's it's weird that you mentioned that because i haven't actually thought about that but how that has now almost come full circle in what i do on the social media you know like mm. the reason i didn't like the fact that the the glasses made everyone laugh is because i bought them off amazon they're light right. up glasses that ain't my joke mm. i didn't invent light up glasses <laughs> you know what i mean but it's like all the preamble and the setup to it to me to click them on and that get the biggest laugh mm. fine it's great because that's what i'm putting across as my performance yeah. but it wasn't the thing that i've spent hours yeah. writing it was something i'd clicked add to my basket it turned up i put them on clicked them on and everyone goes brilliant yeah. whoa yeah. but it wasn't anything that i put effort or you know, real time into it. And, and again, that's what I was, I was saying. It's almost come full circle with the, the social media in that respect is because all my comedy on the social media was sketches, thought out things that worked in a six second bracket. Yeah. And I really tried hard at that. And it is kind of frustrating that I'm now known for chucking stuff over my shoulder into a bin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I've I spent so much time trying to be funny and mm. witty and writing stuff that hasn't been done before. And I spent my time doing that. And what people want to see is you chuck stuff around. So I do kind of feel, not that I don't love it. I really love doing it. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do. And I'm glad that people enjoy it. But it is slightly demoralizing when you think of all the hours you've yeah. spent writing and performing and acting and making it so that it's not just you reciting stuff so that your facial expressions convey it all properly and you know it's a lot of stuff to think about when you do that and then when like i say when your biggest viral video is you doing trick shots it's like oh does my comedy not stand up to that or you know so i've maybe that's me over analyzing it you know because i i'm one of those people that's kind of got to find a bit of a fault in my mm. own stuff because that helps you progress as well if you think if you go around thinking you're the shit constantly and you're like oh I, I, anything i do is hilarious so you're not going to get that far people 
clock yeah. onto that and it's very like i don't know when you read you can read people and and arrogance is a real big turn off mm. so i think it's good that if you can find flaws in your set and and your comedy or whatever because it helps you progress or step away from that or find stuff that you've got to be happy doing it as well as making other people happy because being a comedian is not as hilarious and a funner thing as everyone thinks like mm. i became quickly aware when i did the stand-up it was coming out of depression it was like i need a pickup i need mm. something changing in my life so i went and did stand-up and then you quickly realize that every other comedian is in exactly the same boat feeling very alone and miserable and needing that new escape or release or that egotistical boost mm. or so it's it's a it's a, a weird world to immerse yourself in but all like-minded people so it's, it's like a big group therapy session for yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. um so yeah i mean it's hard not to you know analyze it too much and and you know when you watch your comedy set back you know because we all set up the cameras to watch your performance to see what you can and can't improve and stuff so it was always a bit of a mm, they laugh at the light up glasses and confetti cannons going off and you know you don't want to become too much of a novelty and, and slip away into obscurity yeah. it's it's very very fine line but comedy unless you're in a comedy group mm. troupe is very solitary thing you write all your jokes on your own you stand backstage nervously going over your set on your own you get up hold the mic to a room full of people on your own it's you know it's a scary scary Mm. thing yeah no i i I just was wondering why you were saying that do you think you could become a novelty and like slip away on vine and and on social media because very easy to yeah very easy to i mean there's no reason you know like i i i definitely feel that I can't step away from doing the skills things now. People have invested in that. I'm the, you know, the amount of times I get recognised in the street and people don't know my name. They're like, oh, the the skills guy. Yeah. I'm labelled that, and it's like, like I said, I love it. I'm so happy for that, but it feels like I have to keep yeah. going with that now. And if I put up a comedy sketch, you know, it's only a handful of people that want to put you down about it, but like, oh, run out of skills ideas, have you? It's like, no, I was doing this long before the mm. skills thing. It's like they work hand in hand. This is me mm. as a person. I like doing the skills stuff, but I, ha- I like to feel I have more to offer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you absolutely can have watched people come and go in a blink of an eye because mm. they have that one catchphrase, that one persona, mm. and there's only so long you can roll with it before yeah. people go, I've seen it all now. Yeah. I know, I know I will slip away into obscurity. The internet is too big for me to remain yeah. relevant for the rest of my life. Mm. I will do my absolute best to make people want to stay and, yeah. and invest in it. But I know that before too long, unless you you find other avenues to go into, mm. you're never going to last forever on the internet. It's yeah. just a ridiculous thing. You know, the amount of trends and memes and yeah. one-off videos you see, you're like, that guy is hilarious. Mm. But then his video might not you know his next video yeah. might not suffice that and you might oh no actually i don't like this guy i've had yeah. it a lot yeah people message me like i don't know why i even first started following you it's because you at one point you liked a video but you don't necessarily like everything i'm gonna yeah. do right? yeah. you can't please everyone all the time yeah. and that's a, that's another problem with the social media with the stand-up if mm. people don't like you i don't have to come out and see you yeah whereas on social media it's constantly put out there and yeah. even if you don't like me your mate might like me and he'll share my video yeah. and you'll see it that way. So it's, you know, you've got to be, it's a very hard one when you're almost like barraging people. Watch me, watch me, watch mm. me all the time. And 
they don't have a choice not to to some extent yeah. unless they actively go out and block you yeah not it's not like the stand-up where you're just like oh, i didn't like that guy but there's another guy on next and mm. i'll watch it yeah it's it's yeah, it's a weird one i've never really thought about it before yeah i one of my friends on facebook who i i've got I've got people on Facebook I don't know very well. I think everyone does. And this guy I don't know very well <laughs> <laughs> shared a video of yours. Right. And and I liked it, as in I'd seen it anyway, but yeah. I liked it on his share. Yeah. And I can't remember why, but he just randomly wrote back and said, oh, he's a legend, isn't he? And I went, I know this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you know the skills guy? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, his, name, his name's Joe. But yeah, like, I got really annoyed for you in a weird way because I was like, he's a fucking name. And he was, and, yeah. he, and the worst bit about it was because he'd shared your video. Your page says Joe Charman. So he must have known your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was still calling you that. The skills guy. Well, that was, the. I mean, it's getting weirder and weirder the more people that recognize me. Mm out and about and stuff but the weirdest one was my parents just recently went to florida and my dad being typical dad when he was in like one of the skate shops buying us presents or whatever he said to the guy behind the counter like a young skater dude he's like do you know who joe charman is like why why you yeah. seeked out this but it's typical of my dad anyways but he's so he asked the guy and the guy was like nah, i can't say i do so my dad was like oh, have a look on his facebook as soon as he opened my facebook he was like <gasps> the skills guy oh my god you're the skills guy's dad like and then he called my mum over and they were trying to get <laughs> selfies with my parents and this is like over in America yeah. and it, and that's when you realise how far it can yeah. actually travel like way beyond what you even can conceive or even further than my name goes you know what mm. I mean it's like people just recognise my face and maybe the moustache or yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's an odd one how far it goes but the amount of messages I get from like friends being like send me a picture of me and you together I'm with so and so and they don't believe I know you it's yeah. like that's odd yeah. that's weird when did it yeah. get to that point like people must just think I exist with no friends or family <laughs> <laughs> they're like nah you're not his cousin yeah, yeah you can't possibly know him why not, why not? he yeah. went to school with people yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, why couldn't I possibly be one of these people <laughs> you didn't just start living at 26 <laughs> yeah. and like have no, you're not Jesus like every, yeah. no one knows fuck all before he was like yeah. you know but uh, yeah I know what you mean I he sort of he believed me but sort of didn't and then I sent him a link to your Edinburgh set that I think was on yeah. thing and he was like he has stand up when are you guys doing stand I was like we're not strange really that. but that was around the time that you'd actually messaged me saying oh we'll get back into it yeah. I'll do some gigs and I was like maybe he is doing some gigs yeah, yeah. Like, it was just a really weird coincidence I keep having that like every couple of months I'm like I've got to get back into stand up I'm mm. going to do it yeah and then immediately, even just saying it, then I can f- I feel how nervous mm. I get and how nervous I was on my first gig. You have that long out of something. Yeah. It's like starting absolutely again. Yeah. You know you have past experience and stuff, but it almost counts for nothing because mm. the nerves are right back up there. And the, the I don't know, maybe as I get older, I'm feeling more self-aware or self-conscious about that. And it's a harder thing. Yeah. For me to be like, oh no, I'm absolutely going to do it. Um, uh, but yeah. no, I, yeah, I, I definitely would. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think if I if I was starting now, well, this is the problem. If I was starting now, I wouldn't be the person I am now because I wouldn't have had exactly. the last five six or well, five years doing comedy. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be the person I am now. So I don't know if I would be more, but I'm annoyingly self. We were talking about this before we got on. We're both very self-aware yeah, people, yeah, yeah. and I'm. I think if I if I, I think if I think about stand up too much now, I don't want to do it in some ways because I worry about why I'm doing it because I want to I want to analyze why I'm doing stuff a yeah, lot. Yeah. And so I can understand why especially at your level where you're 
I think it's fair to say famous, essentially. Like, yeah. you, you, you might not think of that, but yeah, you yeah. are internet famous. Yeah. Regardless of how you look at it. I mean, 700,000 likes, 10 million loops. You know, people have seen you enough that you are... A, a, you know, I think you said you got more likes now than Craig David or something. Yeah. And absolutely. he's just mounted a fucking comeback, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, but it's the same thing where, I don't know, if, if, you, if you're at a certain level of fame, if you put out a thing that said, I'm going to be at this gig... Oh, definitely. It, there's know, there's more, but that again, it's I've suffered with it like just before Christmas. Is like the anxiety and the pressure. I've never felt anything like it because mm. it's like you go a week where you don't post a video. Mm. Like, is it over? Yeah. Is it gone? Mm. Will I ever get it back? Yeah. Like, and then I started to get really stressed and anxious, and I was having like nervous ticks and all sorts of stuff. And that's all. It's all just come from the social media and the. the the feeling like the expectation or whatever. And I feel, I would feel even more aware now if I went and did stand up that people are like, mm. oh, that's the guy off the internet or whatever. Yeah. Then what if I didn't impress them live? Yeah. And then they said it on, oh, I saw Joe Charm bomb at th- this gig tonight. And it's like, I almost can't bring myself to go through with it. It's mm. such a, it's such an odd thing. The pressure definitely feels more because of how much I get recognized in general that I feel that if I said like, I'm going to be at a gig, to get a load of people turning up, not necessarily even to watch my comedy, yeah. just to hope you're throwing something a in a selfie bin. Or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's another thing. I can't, I don't want to say it, but I can't do like the skills live. I think you could, but I don't think. No, but I mean, like... the, the the Facebook have just released a thing now where um, if you've got like the blue tick, you can do live streaming yeah. to your fans. Now, I, I would love to do that, but I know they would all want to see me do it live. Yeah. Now, I've got no problem doing that. Unless I fail. Yeah. You fail once and yeah. you sort of ruin, the not the illusion, no, because I don't yeah. want to call it an illusion, yeah. but you don't want to ruin the mystique or have people be like, oh, see, he's just normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though I am, you don't, you know, the internet perception, you want to try and upkeep that yeah. and, and keep that going because it's a character. Yeah. You know, the skills guy is a character. Yeah. It's, it has its own like voice and catchphrase and... Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a tough one. So you don't want to break that. And likewise, doing it live on you know at least I can hide behind a computer screen yeah. when it doesn't go my way. Yeah, doing it live on stage to people. Yeah. Ah, again, it would feel so daunting. Mm. Even before I got on stage, I, d- I think I would feel so sick mm. and pressurized by it. I don't think I'd enjoy it mm. as much as when I had nothing to lose. Yeah, saying so, you know, I got nothing to lose. I I could bomb at this gig. What does it matter? I could have stayed at home and done nothing with my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it meant more. I, I had to earn it. And yeah. I had to go out and strive to make it better every time. But I, now it's gone to a level where I feel like maybe I can't maintain that. Yeah. I, I had a... I, had a, I don't want to say a... De- it, was, it was probably an argument, but we never shouted. Do you know those, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, <laughs> those kind of one-upping things with comedians? <laughs> and I won't say who it was with, because I think you know who they are. <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. But they they were they'd had a really good week of gigs and they were getting really annoyed that they sort of felt, you know, you know when you feel a bit like you should be doing better yeah. or you feel like you should have pushed yourself more and you could be doing better gigs or yeah, any of yeah. that kind of stuff. And I said, why not just enjoy the anonymity? Because I, in some ways do, I yeah. obviously I get that where I'm like, I really wish I was doing better. I really wish whatever. Yeah. Like I think everyone does, but I think learning to enjoy the anonymity is actually part of the process as well, oh, because you, like you said, you could just die and no one cares. And and you yeah. can't do that at certain levels because I think it was Stuart Lee like came up with a new character called Bacon Face, so we could try some stuff yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the amount of times I went with two sets. It was mm. like, here is the set, 
list that I know will work. Yeah. This is my tried and tested. This is the one I do nine times out of ten. Yeah. And then you've got the list of oh, the, the, the stuff I want to try. Yeah. And, I mean, the amount of times you just, you're like, I'm going to do this one. I'm absolutely going to do this one this tonight. And then just five minutes before you go on stage, you're like, I'm just going to do the tried and tested stuff. And, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. I know it works and people like, but then, you know, you like, there's only so long you can keep doing that before you get bored of it. Mm. It's different audiences every night. It's a new thing to them. But I feel they might even clock on to the fact that they can tell that you've done this a hundred times and now you there's no trust or energy like it used to have when you had, like I said, nothing to lose with it and it just becomes too much of a, a dumb thing. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I've lost myself there. So how are you? Cause you yeah, no, I, I keep question. avoiding the question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. And, and, I, and I, I guess... I guess because of the way, and I, I mean, let's pres- let's presume that this is getting listened to by people who who have joined recently and haven't sort of watched you right progress. Yeah, like you said, I can imagine. I mean, I remember. Okay, so let's think. Let's try this a different route. How far into when you were building an audience did you sort of start to feel like you were actually building an audience from what you were doing? Because obviously you were putting stuff up at one point when there was no one there looking yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it was maybe just you being followed by Dan and Lenny and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. whoever. So, at what point did you feel like, oh, actually there's people here who are not people I know? Um, I mean, it comes through mainly like the comments. Mm. You know, you'll get someone say like, hi, from America. And you're like, someone in America? Just yeah. one person. Yeah. But how cool is that? Yeah. My video made it over that far. yeah. Um, and you keep going with it. But I mean, when you first start, like I say, you, you have nothing to compare it to. 15 likes, 20 likes on a video. You're like, I've never had that on a video before. Yeah, yeah. It means the world. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like, it just keeps getting that bit more, that yeah. bit more. And, and it's sort of, I can't tell you a defining point. I never had that like big viral video right. uh, in the beginning. I had character stuff, like I did an evil villain thing mm. and where I just, would go out and freak people out dressed as like a, a classic 1950s evil villain with a fedora and stuff. People invested in that and I started to notice a bit of a, hang on, if you carry, if you know, if you've got a regular recurring character or something that people can tune in weekly and they know they're going to get that, more of that, yeah. that's when I started to realise that, you know, you needed like a catchphrase type thing that people would keep returning to. So you just sort of build it up piece by piece. But there wasn't, for, for me, there wasn't a point where it was like there was that one big defining moment it was just it slowly kept building up the more effort i put in the cleverer i you know the vine is a six second format you have to be very clever unless you're doing one continuous video start to finish if you're trying to do cuts and edits and um different like uh angled shots in it and panning shots and You've got to be very quick and know what you're doing as far as video editing is concerned. And you've got to stand out. And with Vine in particular, when it first started, you couldn't upload a video. Mm. You had to make the video in the app right then and there. If You you know, you have to touch the screen with it mm. in order to record. If you accidentally tap the screen, some videos, there'd be a sketch and then just a random shot. Of your, you couldn't delete yeah, it out yeah, of yeah, the yeah. video. You'd either have to start the video from scratch again or just, you know. So there's a lot of elements that made it easier to stick out if you did it well yeah because you know having all the extra shots and stuff it added more to the 
the the app because people could see you being clever with it stop motion animations and uh loops you know because vine yeah. plays on a constant loop when i did the beatboxing yeah. comedy that's why i liked that because i was using loop machines yeah. live whereas vine was like a loop machine app yeah video so if you could make a beatbox that would then turn this six second video into an infinite yeah. video that you could watch for however long just enjoying the beat then that made me stick out as well because it was like you know you're using a six second video but essentially making it into a video that doesn't stop mm. so it's you know it was it was fun exploring that and and like i said trying to find niches within this so that you stuck out more mm. um but yeah I, I can't remember especially on vine that you know that was just a, a slow process of building it up piece by piece um rather than having a, a lucky break if you want to put it that way mm. and it was fortunate for me the people that i'd surrounded myself with like daniel riley who became mm. dapper laughs mm. you know i i was the first person out of us lot to reach a thousand followers and i remember dan being like how the hell are you doing this yeah. what's your like you know what are you doing and it was just adding every relevant hashtag doing like mm. twitter but the video version yeah uh, which worked and then then Daniel had mega success mm. and kicked off to a point that was like, it was untouchable. Yeah. He was Vine. He yeah. was UK Vine, mm. uh, Dapper Laughs. Um, whether you like him or not now, mm. he was very clever the way he did it, his business model, the way he approached it. And I was lucky enough to be his mate. So I would get shares off him and I would be in videos with him. And then I was on tour with him. And, you know, so his social media massively brushed off and gave me an audience. But. Mm. I didn't just rely on being his friend. Yeah. I actually felt that I had more to yeah. offer. Yeah. And and in particular, a couple of times people were like called me Dapper Laugh sidekick. So I removed myself from Dan in that sense. It was mm. like we, we then just started to meet up and write together. And not every time we were together, make a vine and mm. make it like, oh, we're together again. Look at me and Dan. It's mm. like, you know, I, I tried to make it. And especially when I was on tour with Dan. Mm. I did a few bits and pieces with him, but I mainly tried to keep it going so it's like people could see that I was my own individual, yeah. building my own audience. And I was just fortunate to have a friend that managed to bring me that audience. Yeah. It wasn't that that audience followed me exclusively because I was Dan's friend. Mm. They followed me because they were like, oh, he's got a funny mate or whatever, and mm. come over and, and and help me build that up. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Is like Because I know a lot of... Um what is it uh, a lot of tour supports yeah like for for like so if you're with a management and they've got say they've got mcintyre on it yeah and then they've got i, don't, I can't think of, i don't want to say anyone who's like lower i mean everyone's lower in the mcintyre yeah, no, but if I, if I said you for example and you were on the same management they'd put you on the same tour as him yeah, yeah. and then afterwards they'd bill you as the tour support from mcintyre and, and i can Absolutely. understand why if you are that person, because I've spoken to a few people who've had that, yeah. and they're like, I understand why it works, and I understand why it helps, but it does make me feel a bit like... Uh, yeah, and but likewise, you know the value of it, so you can't completely abandon yeah. that. It was like following that tour with Dapper, I went to Edinburgh and did the Kirby show um, mm. for the second time round, but I felt I'd finally had a tagline, like featuring Joe Charman, mm. supporting act for Dapper Laughs yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like that... It, it, has massive credit but you don't want to be known solely as that or or become known as, as someone's sidekick you know yeah. especially if you're working so hard yeah to try and build your own name you yeah, don't kind of you don't want that to sort of rub off on you in that way you know it's it's, 
it's a hard one because obviously I could have maybe have got more followers out of being Dapper Laugh's sidekick. But then what happened to Dapper in the end, you know, I could have fully not gone down with that ship because Dan is still working extremely hard. The situations that happened to Dan and, and where he ended up with the Dapper Laugh's character, that's neither here nor there. But if you're that strongly attached to it, yeah, people will pull you in regardless the internet, whether you'd heard of Dapper Laughs or not, he trended worldwide for four days. Everyone chipped in and had their two cents on it. So yeah. it's kind of lucky that I did hold back a bit from being solely known as Dapper Laugh's sidekick or or whatever you wanted to label me as, as far as my affiliation with him was concerned, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I can understand why... Um, I mean, it probably... And I know you didn't probably intend it like this but it probably helped in a way that you weren't that associated with him when all that stuff happened because if you had got pulled in with it yeah it's it's a bit like um if we're talking about the youtube thing like last year with with the the, there was a lot of youtubers who got accused of doing various things sure and some of them who were living with some of them who had been accused came out and said i have no idea like this is not me Uh, but if you're living with someone Mm -hmm. it's a whole other level of you having to prove your innocence of that because how do you not know that that's yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was if, especially when when all this the stuff happened with Dapper Laughs. It was extremely hard because he's he's a mate. You know, mm. I've known Dan for about five years. He's a good friend. We shared a lot of time together on the tour and stuff. So when it all came to a head, it was awful. But I, I likewise, I couldn't go on Twitter and defend him mm. as much as I wanted to be like, hey guys, he's a really great guy. People had made up their opinion, and there was not a lot you could change about their opinion, and sticking your neck on the chopping block and being like, you know, he's great and he's really good. You know, you open yourself up to a world of people then hating on you for no reason. Mm. People love that on the internet because you're so anonymous. They can tear you down and say whatever they like about you because it's not to your face. Mm. You know, so people can be really brutal. So, you you, you know, you have to know when and where is appropriate to, you know. But since then, I realised that I am going to try and build it up myself and I've tried to... I've got a lot of big viral mm. internet famous friends, but yeah. I don't make it a, an absolute necessity that we have to make videos together when mm. I meet up with them because I'm aware of that. Likewise, you know, something shit could happen to me down the line and they could be tarnished with that brush. Mm. You you, you become very... Again, with like with the stand-up, you, it almost... As much as you want there to be a big community thing, it does then come down to just you being on your own and protecting your own assets. Yeah. Um, because you do have to be. Because you can't control what other people or where their destiny is going to take them or what happens with them. You can't. Um, and stand-up is very cliquey at times. Like you, you notice. Massively. Yeah, you notice people making making friends, and and I I believe like attracts like in life anyway. Yeah. So I think if you meet someone on the circuit that you think has a similar sense of humour, yeah, yeah. or has a has a similar outlook on life, but maybe not the same kind of style you get drawn into those little groups and Absolutely. then and then it isolates your own opinion of the circuit and, yeah. and everything yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. then it only takes one of your group to hate someone out of someone else's group I mean, and it causes a whole war conflict yeah. between you know um, again we won't mention names and stuff yeah. but there's there's so many times where your name just gets dragged into it because so and so and so and so don't get on but i'm friends with them and yeah. they're not friends with them and it becomes like school. I mean, I think stand-up in particular made me realise how much that happens just in general in the world. You know, like in yeah. everyday aspect, all these little cliques and people being bitches. You know, I think it's just human nature. Yeah. But in stand-up, 
I think people, the, the type of people that are going on are a lot more vocal about it and they don't mind saying their piece because they feel that they may, may even be able to write it in a funny, bitchy status on Facebook and mm. tear people down and upset people without necessarily even bringing their name into it. But you know that they're kind of talking about you or your group that you've sort of set up for yourself so yeah i mean it's a good thing because obviously you want to make friends and you want to form these little cliques because they're fun you you become writing partners you do sketches together you go and support each other on the big important gigs and stuff but likewise you know you don't want to become so involved in someone that yeah anything they do can tarnish you or because again i've seen it happen where people do that and you team up with people and then they become that extra bit and they they fuck you off. They don't. They're not interested in knowing you anymore because yeah. their life has excelled to a level where. And you think you know I was, I put so much I invested so much time and effort. I thought we were more than just that. And then you realise that people were very quick to dismiss you and move on and protect their assets. So so it's a it's a hard one because like I say you can't you can't exclude yourself and not talk to people because mm. you're worried about what's going to happen. You know you spend your whole life doing that. You'd never move on anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, fi- fine line. Fine line with that one. Yeah, totally, totally. And well, what, what, before you quickly go back to the Dapper thing for a sec. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you... So we were talking about niches before we got on the mics. Yes. And how, I mean, I, I said that I think the more niche you can get online, the more unique you are, the yeah. more reason someone has uh-huh. to follow you. And, and like I was saying, the, the book that I've written, it really encourages people to try and you know, not follow a mould and not go, oh, that worked for that person. I'm yep. sort of like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try that and, and see if I can become that because you, sh- you should be thinking they've already got that person. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's not a bad place to start. It's not a bad place to start, but I think when you get stuck into it... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there are tons, of, like on, on social media, you get tons of copycats. Mm. It's just, you know, even me to an extent, you know, I'm not the first person to create trick shots. Mm. I've seen trick shots done by hundreds of people. Mm. The reason that mine became niche is, you know, maybe my look with mm. the, the moustache and a bit of a pirate ghetto look. Mm. Um, but I also attached a catchphrase to trick shots, which yeah. hasn't been done. So that sort of, you know, it builds a niche within this. Yeah sort of thing um you just sort of stood on the shoulders of and then added 10 percent. yeah yeah um but completely finding finding the niches is i I think that's probably a lot of our conversations when we first got together and started talking about status like how can i make this mine rather than something that everyone's doing uh it's a yeah it's a very hard thing to do but i I definitely think it works Mm. Uh, but likewise you can have your niche stolen off you by someone slightly better than you yeah i was always worried about that there was Mm. tons of people i knew that could beatbox way better than me Mm. and it was only that they they wasn't making it into a comedy routine or anything like that but i knew it could very easily be stripped away from me because there's always that more talented person you know there's always that fear that that niche could be stripped from you as quickly Mm. as you you found it yeah it's it's i don't know i mean the the, the it's particularly with the skills thing that was nothing nothing that i ever thought would kick off it started off as chucking a pencil behind my ear mm. and the catchphrase and all that just sort of came out in that video and then i never did another one for like four months mm. it was like oh i'll do another trick shot one and i did a load of them on vine and they did all right but they weren't what i was popular for and then i come over to facebook obviously was putting out my well like my two years worth of material that i'd made on vine Mm. putting that out slowly across my facebook thing the skills thing was the very last thing it was like oh is this all i have left to put out of my old content 
I put it out and it kicked off like I couldn't believe it. And I was like, why is that? But then you you look at it and you think, well, it's because it's a niche. Mm. There are tons of other people doing that selfie styled mm. perspective video, going out and pranking people. Yeah. How many more times do you want to see it? Yeah. You know, or how many more times do you want to compare? one prankster to another prankster or so-and-so did that that's well like that or you know it's but how, how did you even find out that you i mean i assume they take more i mean i'm not trying to shatter the illusion but i'm assuming most of them take more than one take but but you clearly have a level of skill there that means I, that i mean that's the thing i mean i've never said that i've never said i get these first time every yeah. time i've left that so aloof that everyone sort of makes up their own opinion or formulate their own thing you know and i let those arguments happen online because you know again exposure mm. causing a debate it gets people more invested in your video than just watching it they're now commenting and people commenting back mm. and there's like a debate and things so, but i've never said i've i nail these first time the actual pencil one behind the ear 100 mm. percent first time and that's why my reaction in that video is like particularly surprised because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i just didn't think i would do it um but i never do it on like how many takes it is but i never spend more than 10 to 15 minutes doing any of any of my videos mm. um if it doesn't happen it just doesn't happen and i leave it right you know um but yeah no i, I think most of them are, they're done pretty quickly and there's, yeah. there's some level of skill but also people kind of forget that yes i am chucking it over my shoulder and i can't necessarily see the target directly but i'm holding a phone in front of my face which oh, is yeah. essentially a mirror yeah so i can see the target i can vaguely line up I never thought and of that. see where it's got to go, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there is some element of skill, but I'm a, I'm a generally quite a fluky guy. Like, my, my mates always say I'm dead jammy. Mm. Um, you know, I'm just one of those type of people. But I think the hardest thing with the trick shots is coming up with something that is different. Mm. You know, trying to come up the the one that I've got. Uh, I had RuTube, you know, the mm. TV show. I had them round the other day, and they're showing a clip on the thing of me... I chuck a tea bag in the air and then yeah. I shoot it with a Nerf gun. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. The tea bag goes in a cup and the bullet from the Nerf gun goes through the hole. Yeah. Now, that's a that's a weird trick shot to think of and conceive mm. and film. You know, so that's that's where you've got to build a little bit of a niche in there is making trick shots that, you know, obviously I get away with doing my normal ones like I did one the other day, chucking a hat on a banister. Yeah, that's mm. not, that's, I've seen that in Bond films. It's yeah. a classic type yeah. cheeky skill. Um, but it's coming up with, with those ones that you would take a lot to think about and, and trying to come up with those niches within what I've created. That's that's getting harder and harder. Mm. It's trying to think of new skills that haven't been done before. Yeah. So, okay, so what what came first, the Dapper Tour or you starting to get sponsored for Vines? Uh, no, I had work before the Dapper Tour. Okay. Um, a few bits and pieces, but I mean... The work when it first started was I had no idea how much it was worth. Right. I didn't know what I could charge. You know, I have a brand approach me and say we want you to make a sponsored vine. How much do I charge for that? Like you know, I didn't know the price bracket, so you have to start ask. You know, formulating little groups of people that you know, like a, a guy I know called Hugh Samuel who makes great vines. We've worked together on a lot of stuff. He had, he had a lot of branded work and he got me involved in my first piece of branded work. I didn't get paid for it, mm. but it was doing a thing for Lionsgate for a film called oh. Filth. Right. 
mate, I was just so happy to be involved in something. Lionsgate got in Mm. contact with me, got me into the office. Mm. They rented us all these police uniforms and a a police van. And it was like, get to use props. And, Mm. you know, the the adventure and the journey that it took me on far outweighed any money they could have offered me at that point. Um, But then, you know, you've got other brands being cheeky. It's like, oh, we'll send you this if you do us this. And again, it was like, that brand has got in touch. So I did a lot of work for free at the time because I had no idea of, what I should be charging, or whether it was even remotely worth the money, or mm. but yeah, I did have a, did have a few bits of, of branded work, but again, after the Dapper tour and and stuff like that, I had bits of work, but it's only over the last year that I've actively sought out and become very much involved in like social media marketing and going into. I worked at AMV BBDO, which mm. is a massive social media yeah. agency, and I learned a lot there, and I'm a lot more in the world of social media and advertisement and how that works and. I definitely have made that into more of a a thing that I could do later on in life. I'm going to do as much as I can with my social channels and the fame, if you want to call it that, until it expires or, you know, and then I want to step into doing social, more social media work. Mm. Um, It's definitely a lot more of it out there. The branded sponsorship stuff, brands are finally coming around to the idea of it, seeing how much they get out of it compared to, just paying for sponsored stuff yeah. off Twitter. You know, you can pay Twitter to get your stuff promoted, likewise you can with Facebook mm. and stuff like that. Um, but it's more all that that sort of organic reach. You haven't just paid the system to put you in places. You're paying people that have a genuine audience and a genuine interest seeing it. And then, you know, it's more of an organic um, system. They get more genuine likes and views. And it's like a gamble, you know. They put that sort of money into it. No one could tell that video might go mega viral mm. but it's more likely to go mega viral than you just having a video and paying facebook to push it out to your audience that's all they ever mm. do it doesn't ever go further than that but with social media stars and celebrities or whatever they there's always that potential that the video could go a lot further than you even anticipated oh, yeah. so the more work that is being done i think the more brands are becoming aware of it and seeing that happen and seeing a brand use that influence and be like i didn't even know i could approach that person and ask for that so it is happening i see a mass- 2016 is going to be a big year for that definitely definitely can you make a living from vining i have done uh, for how long have you been uh i was a window cleaner for about 10 and a half years I quit One that. dirty window. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was a good one. I I like to, that. Uh, it's been Just five the same window for 10 yeah. years. <laughs> and wear it away <laughs> into tracing paper. Yeah. Either you're a shit cleaner or that is <laughs> yeah. a dirty ass window. Uh, no, but I, I, you know, I you did that. You can have that. You can have yeah. this. <laughs> I did that for 10 years and then I quit that nearly a year ago now, about 11 months ago. Right. I, I stepped away from that and gone full-time social media um i wouldn't say that's necessarily like you said making a living off of vine mm. vine is definitely i still earn money out of branded stuff off vine but yeah. it's definitely because i've now got a following on vine instagram facebook you know it's a whole package yep. thing that they're all pulling in their own separate revenues rather than just relying on this one platform and hoping that you get work from it i've actually got the the you know my hand in lots of different platforms now so it's finally gotten to that point where i am able to to make a living out of it but i also make um stuff that you wouldn't even know i'd done it i make stop motion animations for like uh walker's crisps they're all stop motion 
characters of the crisps doing their you wouldn't even know i made that i don't have to share that on my channels i make that for the brand the brand then basically put that out as their content yeah so i make money that way and that's that's always good because then you don't constantly have to be advertising to your audience yeah you know you do get to just make fun creative content Mm. the brands don't know how to make they wouldn't know where to start with that unless you're paying an animator Mm. God knows how much. You yeah. Know, if some guy can make it using his phone and that's what people were really engaged mm-hmm. in. Go with it. Yeah, go with it. So so, so what other revenues? So you've got, you, you obviously have sponsored Vines and yep. then you have commissioned Vines for other channels. Yep. You, we were talking before, because uh, I, I met out with the same person you met out with at Twitter, which I'm, I've got her coming right. on for a pod soon. Nice. Um, and we were talking, because they've got that platform now that. Uh, I think it'd be better if you explain what it is than I do. Right. Where, where the where you, you sort of brands come to you and and everything's getting a bit more monetized, as yes. it were. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, YouTube is monetized. You know, if mm. if an advert pops up before a YouTube video, the person that's made that video is getting revenue out of you. Yeah. Um, because that's what, like, you know, that's one of the only monetized channels. Um, that's where people assume that that's the only place you can make money. But Facebook, and now doing that and facebook is monetized my channel has been it's on a beta program at the moment you know so it's not fully gone live it's not available to everyone but when that comes in that's going to be a big thing you know if you can get a few million views on a video that starts to create a regular revenue um there's tons of ways you can make money people just sometimes people just want you to turn up to a place and be there and they'll pay you for that so it's well, like like the film place or yeah well i mean you know and and uh not i haven't done many but like uh personal appearances at nightclubs and stuff you know just go in and being you know you get like vip booth and stuff but they want you to take selfies with people that have come to the club and tweet about really? it and stuff like that yeah um because i know dan dan o'reilly was doing that for a while yeah but, i mean dan did it uh, for a long time but, but i've, I've yeah. done a few where it's like a group of us you know like me aaron craskell mm. um and a few other like social media people will turn up to an event and they basically they just want us to tweet that we're there and doing it and people then get pictures and so they put them on their social media that they were at a club and they got to meet this guy or whatever so i mean there's lots of different ways that you can make money out of it it's just how far you're willing to go and whether you're that business minded because i know tons of people that have signed up to like management that don't do anything for them and they you know they're still working their normal job even though they've got millions of followers it's because they're not being pushed in the right direction or they wouldn't know who to approach or what to say, even if they did manage to get in contact with a brand of how to work with them. You know, luckily I I feel that I'm quite good at that and I don't have any fear in pushing forward and making the work come to me Mm. because you can sit back and wait for the work. Mm. It may come through in dribs and drabs, but until people know that you're available for work, this is my budget for what I do or, you know, even letting them know that, they could get more out of you than just one video because brands sort of come to you and they're a bit like, oh, so if we just get you to make a Vine and da-da-da, but it's like, no, for that budget, I could get you a Vine, a tweet of that Vine and, Mm. you know, you arrange different packages for them. So it's just about making brands aware that that work is available to them, really. Mm. But that's why I say 2016, I think, is going to be a massive year for that in particular Mm. because i'm doing all i can with so many different agencies to make that work readily available for me and the the guys that i'm doing it with like uh hugh samuel leslie way daz black we're all trying to team up and use our collective power and do campaigns together so that people are not just getting one 
person yeah. making a video. It's like a group and a, a community feel to it. And it's yeah. like the people will look upon it differently because it's not just me selling it to them. It's like, oh, look, he's involved. And, oh, I've seen him before as well. It's like trying to revolutionize the way people are advertised to because telly does it in a certain way. Mm. And you don't want that to be the internet because the internet is not the telly. No. Um, it's totally different. So at the moment, me and quite a few other people are trying to mould mm. the way that's being done. Um, the uh, Again, in my book, I researched how TV works advertising-wise yeah. and why it used to work and why it doesn't now. Yeah. And basically the way it used to work was you would take out an advert in the middle of a programme, for example, yeah, yeah. interrupting people enjoying something yeah. so that you could get them to know about your product. So that hopefully, say a million people see it, maybe have you know two hundred thousand people buy it, yeah. so that you would get more profit. So you could buy a longer advert in a more exposed place. Sure. So you would try and find you know more people in a much bigger sense kind of yeah, thing, yeah. and you would keep doing that until you felt like you meant saturation, and then you would go back to like smaller programs you went to before, mm-hmm. so that you just keep the exposure going, yeah, yeah. so you don't blow your budget essentially. Well, like people like Cadbury's and stuff. Yeah. How big they get until they it gets need- to the point where all right, you can just say Cadbury's sponsors Coronation Street. Exactly, yeah. People love that far much more because the brand is so set in yeah. its way. Yeah. It's like, oh, lovely. Oh, yeah, lovely yeah. bit of... And hey, it's only like a two-second thing, Cadbury sponsored Coronation Street. Yeah. That's it. But... But you love it. That means so much... That means as much as a high production thing mm. because the brand has done so well in, in what they, how they've advertised to you before. Yeah, you're like, oh, no, that's... Like Coca-Cola. They can do what they want. You're mm. so... Whether you like it or drink it or just think that they're like a big multinational company. They've done it so well that mm. it doesn't matter how they go about it. It's like, that's Coca-Cola. They yeah. just do that. Yeah. You know, sponsor the Olympics. It doesn't make sense. They're a sugar drink. But, you know, yeah. it fits. It works. They can do that because they're so big. And they've, like you say, they've, they've been, but that's how I feel like with Vine in, in how we were there in the beginning. Mm. So that's why we did so well. Companies like Coca-Cola were like the first to start making advertisement billboards and mm. everyone that's alive now has grown up with that yep. and know it. It's just drummed into us like McDonald's and mm. all these, it's because you've grown up with, you've never known any difference. So when you see companies now that are even struggling to come up with a, a relevant name mm. without using Zs and Xs in it and yeah. to make it sound cool and funky and new, it's all just the same stuff being churned but, over. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say, but it's, it's sort of... Um... It's sort of them trying to define their feet in a new area. It is, but I mean, most TV adverts now, they're like, download our app. Yeah. They want you online. Yeah. They know that's where people are more likely to... Because it's more personal. It's in their pocket. It's not you watching this program that many millions of people over the country are also watching. It feels very much just, burr, in your face. Whereas if it's in your pocket and you follow me personally and I'm advertising, it feels a bit more like you've been advertised to because your mates don't follow me so they're not seeing this ad it's like you know there's a bit more of a personal element to it than like the t like i said with the tv it's just sort of crammed in your face a bit yeah it's not it's the difference between um there's two types of marketing that i don't think people know about yeah uh one's called permission marketing and one's called uh interrupt marketing right tvs interrupt because you're interrupting what you actually want to do yeah, yeah, yeah. yours is very much permission marketing because people have to opt in Absolutely, and I, I turn down work if it's yeah. if it's not relevant to my um, followers. Mm. I won't advertise something to them that I wouldn't one use or mm. two don't have trust in. You know, yeah. I get a lot of people trying to make not trying to make me, but 
trying to get me to advertise for like betting websites mm. or gambling or oh yeah. go and check out these stats like these statistics you could win bigger i'm not doing that i'm no. not trying to get young people into gambling oh, yeah. or downloading gambling apps i'm not going to be responsible for that i don't yeah. care how much money you offer me mm. why why do why would i want to do that to my audience so i'm very select about what i do whether you know yeah well you have to be because because they're investing in you and they've trusted in you it's like all brand um not all brand it's like all brand um uh you know associated so like when you have david beckham or something yeah advertising a sunglass thing you know he's just being paid for that like he doesn't necessarily oh, yeah, like yeah. those sunglasses yeah, yeah but with actual people that you're investing in that they probably think they're your mate in a weird way you know but i'm more likely to buy glasses that david beckham is wearing in a picture of on his instagram yeah. than and of him walking in black yeah. and white in a pair of pants looking cool with Giorgio Armani come up at the end yeah. like I'm not I don't care about that because it's such a like I said burr in your yeah. face whereas online if you follow David Beckham on Instagram and you see that kind of like ah yeah. it's cool look how cool he is just being him at home yeah. you're more invested in the person rather than the TV's persona of that person that is just burr in your face after that that's look at look how cool he is Although that's not David Beckham putting that across that's someone else paying it Dave Beckham to put that across. But there was that there was that Instagram model who like left Instagram recently in that whole right. it's all fake kind of huff. Yeah. And you're like, well, how real is anything anyone puts online now? You know, it's uh, I have a friend of mine who's a beat poet and he has a uh, thing about social media. And one of the best lines in it is they call it a social media profile because you only see one side of you. And I love that. Oh, I know yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. good, right? So good. I know. But it's like, yeah, you're like, you can put up one side of you every time you put something out. What side are you going to put up? Of course, you're going to be happy, crappy and, you know, be yeah, like, yeah. yeah, something's great. Yeah, it's a hard one because obviously you can't seem so far removed that you come across as some sort of egotistical weirdo and it's mm. got to be relevant to mm. people. It's a really hard thing to try and put out there like i said with the the voice thing you know even the skills thing where i put on that voice like yeah i've got skills people think that's my actual voice because yeah. they only see those little snippets yeah. of me and they're like what's up with your throat man so <laughs> nothing i'm just putting on a voice for performance you know but yeah that's very one-sided people get to make up what they want out of what they see of you online mm. and if it's just you know, if my pure purpose of me is to entertain, then you're not going to see my sad times. You're not going to mm. see me being upset about something. You know, yeah. you're just not because that's not what I want to put out across to you. That's why, it's, you know, who you very rarely see people on Facebook not boasting about something awesome they're doing, mm. but you very rarely see them getting upset and touchy about making their life seem shit. You know, you do get people like branching out, but that's like a cry for help. And mm. I, I, you know there's a time and a place for that this is the interesting thing for me is so since for the last year and a half i've started sharing more sides of me on social media yeah rather than just sharing everything's going well look how amazing i am and stuff so if i if i have a real attack of depression or if yeah, i yeah, have yeah. a real a real bad day or just if, if if something bad happens to me yeah i tend to share it on there if i'm comfortable with i like i said there's a lot of people on that don't i don't know yeah, yeah. That, you know but i will share it with them and usually there is a bit of a, oh, he's just moaning again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And you're like, you're the same when people brag. 
Do you know what I mean? Of like when, when when they see too many people going, oh, everything's going really well. I remember when things were starting to pick up for you, I and know. you put up stuff, and I remember people going, oh, you, you didn't mention you getting that job, or you, oh, you yeah. would do that I to know, me. I did, I, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, I what? Did it. You're going to talk with Dapper last? Yeah. Why didn't you say something? I did it. Shut up, Simon. The, the thing is, I did it because I knew you knew me yeah, well yeah, enough yeah, yeah, that yeah, I could yeah. fucking do that. Completely. But you know when Completely. there's some sort of comedian on there who doesn't actually like feel that, like you don't know them well enough. Yep. Like I, I felt. I mean, I'm sorry if you took it that wrong. Way. No, no, but no, no. I, I felt like you know, if you had car, it's journeys, hard to feel bad with... when you're in a five star hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not. I've, cr- I've cried in a five star hotel. Don't even, don't even go there. But yeah. the point, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, you, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I felt like I knew you well enough that if you, yeah, you know, course. you kept bragging, and I, I remember at one point thinking to myself, if this was anyone else, I would have removed them from my feed. By yeah, now. no, I, I, I mean, like, I get it. I mean. If you go back a few years ago, before I was on, like, thing, I, you know, I get constant reminders on Facebook because you can mm. see it now, like, on this day, four yeah. years ago, you were doing this. And I look back at those times, my sad times, before mm. I started doing the stand-up and tried to change my life. It's all just, F this, F that, so bored, hate this, hate this situation. Blah. People don't want that. Yeah. And then... I mean, yes, it is boasting, and but I've got to a point now where if I do boast on Facebook, I'll put hashtag boast post, no shame. I don't yeah. care because I'm genuine. I, if I got to do that or I get those yeah. experience, I'm happy and I want people to know that I've made that happen yeah. myself. No yeah. one's given me this. Oh, yeah. I've made that happen. Yeah. Of course I want you lot to know what I've done. You know, one of my friends, Adam, is is uh, doing rap like hip-hop and he's going out now and he's on that hip-hop community mm. circuit and he's going out and he said to me on several times mate you made me do that watching you go out and make it happen for yourself made yeah. me realize that it wasn't beyond reach yeah you just have to put the time and the effort in maybe for free yeah and you know hopefully you breathe good things you meet you know like i said i had since doing stopping the stand-up i haven't seen you for so long but like mm. two years down the line yeah. sitting there doing a podcast like a yeah. day hasn't gone by where yeah, I haven't yeah. talked to you. Yeah. So it's like those connections that you make doing that sort of thing, it, it's invaluable. It lasts forever. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's... <laughs> Again, I forgot the question. <laughs> how are you? Yeah, how are you? Great. I'm really damaged. I mean, yeah. Um, no, I, no, I completely agree with that. And I, and I you know, the thing is, is the, pro- the problem with the circuit for me is I don't get to see, unless it's Edinburgh, I don't get to see people year on year sometimes if they're gigging yeah, yeah, on a slightly yeah. different circuit or a different country or whatever. Yeah. And Facebook does a lot of good for that, like when you want to stay in touch, but it also does a lot of bad for that where, you know. Because you don't feel the need to go out and see people I, as well. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel that I'm watching people progress like yourself and Beck Hill and I see all their achievements and I see what you're doing and your gig posters and that I'm still feel very much attached to you mm. via the world of social media without actually having to interface face to face that's hugely damaging but you don't but you don't that's the problem I have with social media is I you don't see the end of it from me either you just see oh he put up a poster he's doing another of show course. or whatever whereas at my end so I mean I won't go into too much detail, but uh, you know, I put up a I put up a thing about my book the other day, yep. and I got loads of likes and loads. Of, but I went I went away, so I put it up, and I specifically. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. 
The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. He walked away from the computer because I was like, I don't want to immediately answer questions. I want to just leave it there. Yeah, well, Do you with want it. to feel like you put it yeah. out for a purpose rather than just to attract likes and comments straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I went away and I and I remember just watching some TV for a bit. And I never normally watch TV. It was just literally because I couldn't be on my laptop because I knew if I opened a new tab the first thing I would do (laughs) is open Facebook and do that and I I left my phone in the other room and everything and I really depressed myself out because watching TV for a long period of time without a phone or without a laptop or without a second screen I feel very much like I'm wasting my life oh yeah you know what I mean I feel like I should be doing something it's an odd thing I I can't remember the last time I watched a movie start to finish without pausing it at some point and looking at my phone or like googling the actress's name to find out if Cher's got a full name yeah Yeah, yeah. no it's it's such an odd thing that it has to be this new multi-screen way of living yeah Um, it's surreal for me but the thing is is that I, I get it as we were saying before like when when I was going through therapy I was taught sometimes you need a certain number of senses to be stimulated yep. or else you don't feel like you are achieving it's... enough or you're, or, you're, or you're functioning enough as a person yeah yeah completely so yeah I, you know if you sit there watching a film you're trying to turn off your brain in a way that you're not used to anymore yeah I remember when I was a kid I used to watch films and just be able escapism. to escapism yeah but now that escapism doesn't work as well. Too many distractions. Yeah. Way too many distractions. Yeah. And it's easy to get distracted to the point where you're off on like a, a real life tangent. Mm. You know, you get so distracted, you'll then turn around and be like, oh God, that film's paused. I, I've forgotten I even started yeah. watching it. I yeah. got so involved in that. And then I got distracted from that and went to that. And mm. you just, you know, it's a very odd world because like you said, when we were growing up, it was like if your mate had a Walkman, yeah. it was like the biggest yeah. deal ever that he could he could bring a CD outside of the house, yeah. a CD and play it in headphones. It was like the height of a Game Boy. It was like you know there was these distractions, but they were minimal and often too expensive to get involved in. Now everyone has a phone in their pocket, but that phone is a connection to the internet. You can play games on it. You can take photos on it. You can all my social media career. I don't do it on a laptop. I don't edit my videos on a laptop. I've got editing apps on my phone and I do it. It's all run from this little portable device. Mm. It's so easy to get lost in that yeah. little world because everyone's got yeah. them. It's so relevant. Like 
it's it's sad, but you know, I feel that our generation were maybe the last kids that would go out and spend the whole day walking through a wood just to see where it ended up. You know, like yeah. now it's all just online and video games and. I sound like such an no, old person now. But no, not at all. It's, it's so it's changed there so you quickly. Can see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. I remember. Um, what was it? There was a Periscope thing that happened about a week ago yeah. where everyone was watching a puddle or something. And I, so I mean, I was, people yeah. jumping over a puddle in Manchester. And I was like, how bad do you need a distraction in your life yeah, that well, you're willing to watch a live feed of a puddle? Because it's what if you turn it off and then two minutes after you've turned it off someone falls face first and you've missed out yeah so it's that like it's that fear of missing out we were talking fear about before fear of missing out yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I, I get it because I, I downloaded this is so bad I was on the train it was trending I downloaded Periscope to have a look at it watched it for 10 seconds and went what am I doing I'm with watching, my yeah, life yeah yeah it's essentially watching a puddle uh, paint dry isn't it it's, yeah yeah but, but I mean without it neither of us would have a career <laughs> I know that sounds really depressing no, I, yeah. I, I went to Hawaii earlier on like last year Oh, I, 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 and, I and, totally and, contribute to the distraction. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well this is the problem. I, I went to Hawaii last year, and I remember in Hawaii, Hawaii is so different to anywhere you'll ever go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. most restaurants don't have Wi-Fi, at least, yeah. not in, at least not in the way that they do here, yeah, yeah. because they kind of expect that you'll talk to people, yeah. which is fucking scary if you're anything like And do like what me. you're meant to do in a restaurant, which is eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's a jungle, yeah. and they respect nature to a level that we don't. Yeah, yeah. Which means that, like, so, for example, trees were, like, growing through houses and, and whatever because they would build it round. It wouldn't be like here where you just ask for planning permission and they just knock just the tree down. down. Yeah. 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 And, and as a result, you know, I was camping there and I didn't have the internet. And I remember, I remember the second day I was there, I hadn't had internet for two days. I cried. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this is too <laughs> real. So Genuinely, this is yeah. too real for me. And my friend who I was with, she was like, just, this is, this is, what the world is and I went this is not what my world is no, this is not no, what I'm no, like no. And, I, and I never told anyone that before because I was like so embarrassed that I felt like I needed more than what the world and I said to her I don't feel like this is enough and she was like but this is what the world imagine if the you know your phone broke what are you going to oh, I'd just buy one immediately I wouldn't yeah, care yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, completely yeah it's, it's an odd thing because I mean obviously you know we're, we're talking about our lifetime but like our parents and our grandparents, what they did with their lives to oh, get through. Man. Yeah, I can't. You can't even conceive that. You know, I I used to. I you must used have to... just sat in a room. I used to because My... <laughs> even records, people are like can't listen to that record. I've listened to it. Vulgar, dirty. You can't. You know, even music you had to listen to late at night under yeah. the covers with headphones on in fear of being yeah. grounded or beaten up you know? yeah exactly you know it's such an odd world that is so far removed to, to the point that now it's so indulgent in what you can experience and what you can do oh, yeah. there's no answer that isn't why do kids even have homework these days what yeah. is the point in that when it's every Everywhere. answer you could possibly oh, yeah. every documentary is at the tip of your finger like when we were in school teachers constantly used to say like you won't when have you a calculator. Say, yeah, you yeah, won't yeah. have a calculator. Yeah, we do. We have more than a calculator. But they, they didn't know that wouldn't be the case. Do no, you know of I mean? course. But we're, we're set up for it. But I mean, now that they know that's the case, what do you Why tell bother? kids now? Yeah, yeah. What do you, you tell them? You won't have the internet if you go to Hawaii. <laughs> so mental. It's, you know, and, and because it's all like touchscreen and yeah. it's basically little portable laptops. I think... It opens up a world of not necessarily cheating, but... Yeah. The, the problem I've got with it is um, I realised when I was out there and I, and I had a meltdown one day. I was like, oh my God, I'm ruining people's lives. Oh my God, I've written, I've written tweets for six years for different brands. I've made video content for different things that have got millions of hits. If I, I, I sat down for, like, because I went on the internet 
one day, like, because we got, we got to a little town and we went yeah. on the internet. And I went to a video that I've made for a brand about two years ago, right? right. And it had over 10 million views. Nice. Right? It's a lot of views, right? And it's a four and a half minute video. Right. I got out my calculator on my phone and I worked out how much time I have wasted of people's in the world that is that and I cried so I was like I look we could have solved cancer by now if I hadn't made that video and we'd all put our effort into something yeah, better yeah. and I was so depressed but you know you say that but there might be people suffering with cancer that who enjoyed the video enjoyed that distraction yeah you know so it's, it's uh, oh that's a way more nice way of looking at it well it is but you don't know you can't say is it wasted time you know I've got on my videos some videos have got 26 million views doesn't mean 26 million people fucking love that video no. 26, you know, how many people hated that video? How many mm. people couldn't, you know, just wanted to punch me the entire time? You don't know. Those stats aren't there. This is the thing that annoys me a lot, about, especially about comedians, But because I, I think I've got musicians who are friends and I've got poets who are friends, and they get this way better. Yeah. And it's something that I keep drilling home to comedians because they don't understand it. A view does not mean someone liked it. No. And a view does not mean a lost sale. In any way, shape, or form, and because uh, like, how many times have I watched something like a docu- like I've streamed a documentary illegally, yeah. and I'm like, I would never have bought that. It's good, but I would never have yeah, bought that. Completely. It doesn't mean a lost sale at all. And then, how many times have I watched like how many times have I listened to a song, for example, and gone, I really like that artist. I'll download it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and the same way where you've gone, I didn't like that, but they've got their view. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 odd because you you know you don't get the stats that you actually need out of it but then again i fear the stats that yeah. you know because facebook were going to introduce the dislike button yeah now imagine they introduced that and all of a sudden the dislikes started to vastly outweigh the amount of likes i get do you know do you know why it would end it no do you, know, do you know why the the dislike button not coming through is is probably the best thing they've ever done yeah it's because the amount of anxiety and depression and social issues that we've got because of social media yeah that the i see every day genuinely in my i mean I, I you say that you work from home you don't you know you don't go out and stuff yeah that's one big one already yeah, yeah. but for me you know when when i i i'm two no three years ago i was working for four massive brands that you can find in any supermarket right. we're talking small bit whatever they were yeah, in yeah. the supermarket and and all the time we were talking about um sort of the the way we are engaging with them and the way that they're engaging and i remember one of them was just so i i remember standing up in a meeting getting angry that they were like yeah but but like people like to be distracted on their phone when they're when they're doing this or, or, yeah, yeah. or, when, or when, they, when they start to get like a feeling and they, they need they need like a laugh or a distraction to do the yeah, thing. Yeah. and i was like let them have the fucking feeling <laughs> Like seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't let the, my my biggest problem in life is that I use the internet to distract myself from feelings yeah, a yeah. lot, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. No, like, no, if, no. If I feel like oh, but then oh. do you use them to invoke another feeling? Here's because a- I found myself so many times, like on YouTube, just watching fight videos. Like, why am I watching that? It gives me such an adrenaline rush to watch people fight and scrap in the street. It's not me. I'm not a fighter. I'm not. Yeah. But that it helps me visual, like visually watch this aggression happen. Almost gives me a different sort of release. It's not maybe what I went out to search for. I was obviously like looking at happy in videos, and then yeah. it leads to that. But I, I think I, I, I'm dealt the hand. I, I deal with the hand I'm dealt with, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And I like the generation I've come through, but also I hate a lot of it and like I said to you you know I, I meet someone I turn my phone on airplane mode now I make, yeah. I make conscious efforts to make sure that I'm not uh, leaning on like not hiding from feelings but you need that 
So yeah. you, you need to physically flick a switch yeah, yeah, yeah. to say that it's off and I don't need it. Because if it was there on silent, on, without no, the flight mode... I couldn't deal with it. No, because you would still I'm, feel I'm that dependent. it might be going off in silent. Whereas if it's aeroplane mode, I'll be honest, you I'll... physically have to do that in order to turn yourself Mate, away from that device. I... If we get into this conversation too much, I might crack. I'm not, I'm not, no, do you know why? I text someone, I, that girl we were talking about, I text her before we got into this conversation. Yeah. And I would say at least four times in the last, however long we've been talking, I've been like, I really want to check to see if she's replied. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I hate that. I even, the, even see your screen flash and yeah. you just flip the phone over, over because it's like, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm in this now, I'm in this moment. And, yeah, and yeah. like we're talking about in Buddhism, you need to be in the moment, not in where you are. Cause, and the thing that depressed me a lot last year was when I realized everything I'm looking at online is in the past. Like it has to, because it has to have existed there. Yep. So if I'm living in the past, I'm not enjoying now and I'm avoiding now. And why am I avoiding now? Yeah, and it comes yeah. back to that thing where you're like, why, why, why? It's an odd, odd, odd world. I yeah. don't think, I mean, it's going to take a good few years to, I don't know. You know what? I don't think it's ever going to be, it's never uh, going to be a thing same. that you ever understand. It's not because it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. Like as far as the internet's concerned, but technology and, you know, even the fact that I can FaceTime people now, I can physically look at someone's yeah. face whilst I'm chatting to them on the go on my phone. You know, a few years ago it was on Skype and you had, still had to do it via webcam on your little yeah. designated desk area. But, yeah. you know, you've got your laptop sat right there. My yeah. laptop's under the, the table. It's like, you know, I can take that anywhere and do anything yeah. with it whenever I want. FaceTime someone right across the other side of the world. Mm. It's all so instant and available now that again it's still progressing you're watching someone jump over a puddle you know yeah. that's how mad and what people are tuning into and will watch but yeah. that's how instantly it can be set up and, and made happen but that but that comes back to what you were saying before where you said oh how depressing is it that i spent hours writing this or hours trying to get this joke right and then someone watches a puddle for an hour and up like and, and brands do this all the but time i feel the same about cat videos you, you said that just to hurt me didn't you yeah no <laughs> i don't, you know I, don't get cat it. I don't get it get a cat no, here's okay. Right, why watch got, another cat be? I had a cat. Vaguely cute. I had a cat, right. and I'll tell you now, cats are not worth having as pets. No, but, unless you constantly film them and hopefully other people like. But I mean, the, the amount of people I watched, uh, well, I didn't watch it. I found a video on um, YouTube the other day. Six hours of just cats. Yeah. Six hours. They ain't. Whoever made that video, that isn't their cat. They have a had to spend at least yeah. six hours of their life yeah. sorting out these yeah. various videos of other people's cats. They had like 50,000 views. I watched six hours yeah. of cats. Mental. I can't, that to me is bonkers. I can't get it. But other people might feel the same. Why would anyone want to watch me chuck a ball in a bin? Yeah. You know, it's it, but different tastes. It's all out there, isn't it? Everyone's got their little bit of the internet that mm. they like. It's constantly evolving in order to try and tailor to those individual people's needs and wants, but mm. I don't think there'll there'll ever be a definitive answer, or it's just too weird. Yeah, and um, uh, but when but when it comes to because you've you've got an audience now yeah. essentially, and um, but when it came to developing that audience originally, how were you making? connections with these people that you've never even met like how i mean obviously there's the comments and sort of investing in them yeah yeah but you can't comment to everyone you, you can in the beginning yeah you can and in that's the beginning. what i mean you start to build up a little audience of loyal people mm. that you can talk to and, and get involved in your stuff um but then it gets to a point then when you get like pages like lad bible 
mm. or Unilad or Hello You that are fundamentally they've got huge audiences, eight million, eleven million, whatever their their big bulk line, but they have built their audience on stealing other people's videos, mm. you know, and and taking funny stuff off the internet and putting it out there, and obviously it's getting pumped out to a massive thing but then when you're a regular person that is making these videos on a regular basis and they can see that there's something in it then they credit you Mm. on it that's when you start to go viral when it's well out of your control and i'd love to answer all the messages people send me because some of them are so like sweet and heartfelt and people genuinely pour out to you and be like i was having such a bad time or whatever and your videos really helped me so i of course i'd love to answer all those but it gets to that point where your audience becomes so big it's really really hard to Mm. to keep up on top of it and it you know it starts to lose its personal thing because obviously it would be nice to say hello to everyone that ever wants to just be like they just want anything out of you even if you just put a smiley emoji the amount of people are i can't believe you replied oh my god it means so much so of course i want to give that to everyone because they've given it to me in liking my video and making my video like my views go up and Mm. i know that's i owe these people so much so it's so disappointing that you can't yeah but you know when your pages is getting shared by uh, you know, like Lad Bible that's got 10 million followers and you're gaining, I gained at my biggest point on Facebook, 250,000 new followers. That's a quarter of a million people in four days. Four days. How do I keep up with all of them people messaging me? You can't. I don't have a team of people. That's me doing it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it starts to lose its personal touch as far as like answering everyone. What was that? What made that spike? A uh, skills video getting shared by Lad Bible, then obviously because Lad Bible sharing it, mm. other sort of pages of a similar vein to Lad mm. Bible, they take it and they share it. And if like because yeah. I'd made such personal connections with the guys at Lad Bible, they credited me and put my name so that if you clicked on my name, it would go directly to my page. Mm. So all those sort of things massively help, you know. And then if like I said, I've got some vir- like friends that are massive viral stars. If you can sort of convince them on the day, hey, look, this video is going great for me. Would you mind posting it out yeah. like in an hour or something? And then an hour after that, you get another one of your guys. Yeah. So you can keep that flow of yeah, people yeah, yeah. going. And and it's like gambling, you know. You essentially sitting there pressing the spin button again and hoping that all the sevens pop up. And yeah. if you can make it all align like that then yeah you do get massive spikes in 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 your following this is see this is amazing because okay i i do the same thing but in the live circuit like and yeah. that sounds really weird so i may i've made as best connections as i can with uh i'd say like four or five publications right yeah. and, and and say i'm going to do a run of previews i will email each one of them a different week yeah. so that i'm not overloading them because otherwise if you send them all five they're never going to cover it. No, no, no. And if you send them each one and you say, this is the one I'd really love for you to cover, can you do that? And, yeah, and yeah. I'll give you... And if you want like an interview or, or anything... But then it staggers it out and you don't have that one big block and yeah, that's it. Yeah, You know, it sort of dots itself out of, over the course of a few days but, where maybe someone might not have been interested in that yeah. first bit. But then they see that it's a consistent thing and is still there days later, a week later, yeah. still in the eye line of people. Then they might be a bit more invested and think, actually, there might be something in this. Yeah. Then they go over and get invested. So, yeah, it's all about staggering it. and, and, and it's, it's lazy as well. If you just, if you just you know, put it up and go, oh, people... Oh, it don't last. Yeah. I've seen people do it and have that one big mega video yeah. and then they're coming to me and be like, oh, how do I get and how do I utilise? It's yeah. like, you need more. Yeah. You know, that that one big video is what you get people over 
to whatever you're trying to get people to view. But then when they go and investigate further, they've got to see a constant run of enjoyable stuff. You're mm. never going to make it huge off of one video. Or you will, but then you'll disappear very quickly. Yeah. Do you think... Because you do a lot of advertising brands, like as in uh, a lot of sponsored stuff. Yeah. Do you think that's selling out? Um, it's uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, it's tough because obviously when I was doing stand-up, you look to your idols and stuff like that. And, you know, Bill Hicks is a very popular comedian for... And he's a comedian's comedian. Um, says it how it is, but there's a very famous clip of him letting loose on someone when he says to him, like, what do you do? And they say, I work in advertising. He's like, go kill yourself. Just straight away, go, go kill yourself. Just fuck off and die. And it's like really mm. aggressive. Um, but again, it's the way that advertising was back then for bill hicks is very different to how Mm. it's trying to be you know it is trying to be catered for individuals now and that's why they you know when i do advertisement it's to my audience you know Mm. they might get me and and a couple of other influencers to be involved in the campaign but my video is going to be very different to what aaron craskell might produce or what hugh samuel might be producing they're they're tailored to their audience Mm. It's still advertisement, but hopefully you can watch the advert and, and enjoy it for its entertainment value rather than just what they're trying to sell to you. Um, so, I, I I mean, my perception of advertisement has changed and I can't tell whether that's just because I've made money out of it now mm. and I see it as a, a viable job mm. prospect. Um, but, I mean, I, there's degrees. I mean, I, to me, it's still selling out if you're selling a product that you have no affiliation with, you wouldn't ever use, and you are just doing it for the money. Then, yeah, you're, you're selling out. You know, you're, you're, you're exploiting your, your followers to some extent. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a fine line because sometimes, you know, you get offers and it's almost like the money is too good to refuse. But you kind of have to look at the long-term effect of how that could go down on your social media, mm. you know. You might do that one, and then that could ruin any advertisement you then do in the future because people have seen you've done the crap stuff before, so they just assume that you've got no attachment to anything you do and you are just grabbing as much money as you can out of it. It's it's a tough one. You know, like Kylie Jenner. Mm. You know, she, did, she sold those lip-plumping devices yeah. after that video went viral of, you know, if you suck on a shot glass, yeah. it boosts your... You know, you're selling a, a plastic tub that you're meant to suck on so it plumps your lips out for selfies that's come on that's mm. not real life worldly yeah. stuff that people need no that's just solely capitalizing on the fact that you've had a bit of a viral thing and the fact that she's already got millions of followers mm. so yeah i mean to some degree i do feel that you can sell out with advertisement it's just how you go about it i'm very cautious about how i do it i'm very involved in the process um you know i never have anyone dictating oh you must say this it has to be like this if i don't feel that that's right then i'll try and come up with some compromise so that it still works Mm. for the brand because obviously they're paying you they've got certain expectations of it Mm. but you've also got to be aware of who you're putting that out to which is my following yeah um so you know it's it's you you've you've got to judge it on a a case-by-case basis basically but in general, my, my whole perception of advertisement has definitely changed because I can see it changing. You know, you're not just forcing people to buy stuff. I'm not forcing people to click on links. If they do off the back of watching my video and enjoying it, then fantastic. But 
you know, most most brands now I think are, are coming around to the fact that it's not all about selling a product. Mm. It's not about that. It's about having that brand name being boosted to an elevation of when you do see something of use to you and you're like oh i saw that i know what that is it's like you know it's just boosting the brand's name and reputation rather than what they're selling to you um and i'm noticing that more on telly as well um you know more adverts are just funny to watch and then afterwards it's like you kind of find out what they do after when the, the tagline comes up or you know so yeah, I mean, to some degree. To some degree, I feel that you might sell out. But Do you think when you go back to comedy, that'll have an impact if, you know, people sort of go, oh, you were the prick who advertised, I don't know, Honda, whatever. I don't know if you've ever done Honda. I, but, yeah, I mean, no, because you know what? I've seen enough adverts on telly now where all of a sudden you're like, I've gigged with that guy. Mm. I know him. I know that going out every day doing stand-up comedy does not earn you enough of a wage mm. to survive. Mm. It's a very selfless thing you're doing. Although it's completely self-involved and, and egotistical, you are giving stuff to people for free a lot of the time, especially if you're an open-mic comedian. Mm. And if you do get paid, that might just cover your travel costs and food for that night. You know, But you do it for the love of trying to get forward so i've got no qualms if i see someone pop up in a, in an advert as an extra you know ben adams has, has done stuff philip uh simon has done stuff um bobby freeman i've seen and every time i'm immensely proud that they've managed to get themselves in a situation through the stand-up to get themselves on telly as an acting part in you know in in advertisement so you know I, i'm 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 fully behind people making money out of being an entertainer and obviously being on stage to a point where someone has seen them and gone, got to have them in for an, an audition. Fantastic. Well done you. Like that's the, that's a big thing. Um, how, uh, have your, cause you, you've, you, we spoke before um, about like how many views you get in like a week on like an average week, for example, yeah. do you know like how many views you get? I mean, on average, my Facebook page gets 14 million, um, interaction okay whether that's a link of uh a like a view mm. or whether they've just come over to the page to see what i do so yeah. it's a it's a big audience you know, far outweighs my following mm. uh, you know the reach that it gets to but again I, you know it, it depends on video by video basis yeah. so you can't tell what's going to go viral or what's going to end up with the millions of likes or you know yeah. or, or views or whatever you know likes are a lot harder to get i've never had a million likes but yeah you know, yeah, it's it's again, it's it's too. You can't judge it, no, not at all. Because I had one video go viral, and that really kicked me off quite a lot. I thought that was it. I thought that's my mm. one viral video, and you know, you plod along, sort of maintaining it and stuff, and then out of nowhere, bang, another big viral video. I didn't plan it. It's like a compilation of stuff that people have already seen, mm. as far as I know. They've they've liked those videos on an individual basis, and then I put them up as here's the best of kicks off and you can't you can't stop it you know you're just sitting there watching it grow and grow and grow and Mm. yes there's also like a time and a that you're meant to post you know it's better to post in the evening during 
uh, advert break for X Factor because that's when most people are on their phone. So you sort of have to abide by those sort of algorithms that are not necessarily yeah. rules, but they're gu- like you do it enough, you start to realise that there are more active times on social mm. media and stuff. So you sort of go for that. But you know that one that my biggest viral video that I had just prior to Christmas, I posted that at half ten on a Saturday morning, thinking I'll just put it out there see what happened. Hey, it went massive so it's like so all the rules that i have been working to do they are they necessarily what i should be working mm. you can't judge it you can't and then and, and and you can't i couldn't tell you every week i get absolutely x amount of views because some weeks no. you might have nothing you know on average i get about ten thousand new followers on my facebook a week but you know some weeks that will drop right down to a thousand mm. because i haven't been that active and then, you know, the longer you don't be active on it, you know, if you have a few days, a week, two weeks, your engagement starts to drop. You almost get capped yeah. by Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then if you pay for advertisement, you know, like if I pay Facebook 30 quid and Facebook will say, if you pay 30 quid, you'll reach X amount of people. You pay that. Once Facebook know you've paid for it, they'll expect you to do that every time. Yeah. So they'll keep capping you until, you know, I've seen people like Beardy Man, uh, a beatboxer that I follow, um, complaining and moaning that he actually has to pump money into his own Facebook to get viewed by people that have already like signed him. up to follow and like yeah. him. That's, you know, so it's a really hard one. That's why, mm. you know, we're saying about me having more followers than Craig David is because he's not social media. Yeah. He's doing it as a sideline thing because his management are going, you've got to get on it. Everyone loves it. But, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily stuff that people are going to engage in or like. Yeah. Or, you know, because... They 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 follow him externally outside of the social media. They don't need. I like Craig David's music. Do I really need to know Craig David's opinion or what he's eating that night? Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird one. In terms of if you didn't have the sponsored posts or you yes. weren't doing commission stuff on the networks you're on, could you still make enough money to get by? No. Okay. No. 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 I mean, it depends. Um, like with with Facebook, they, they've just monetized it, so there's. You know, but it's in test programs. They have no idea how to monetize because mm. they're making money out of my page anyways through banner advertisements yeah. up and down. I, I, I no revenue out of that. They're mm. making tons of money. It's only that Facebook are realizing that if they want to excel in social mm. media, they've got to overtake people like YouTube mm. in almost offering their creators more money so that maybe even the YouTubers start to be like, well, why am I using YouTube when yeah. Facebook's making more revenue? So they're, they're trying to work that out, but they don't know whether it will because obviously when YouTube started to do monetization, everyone was so annoyed mm. like that you had to watch a 30-second video before you mm. clicked on. It was so instant. Why is it like this now? And But over time, four years, five years down the line, mm. That's just what YouTube is now. Yeah, you you know it's part and parcel of it. You just get people, on with it. Yeah, people are used to it. So it's it's obvious it's it's hard and and Vine as well found it very hard to you can't just whack advertisement on it. It's an app based thing. You know there isn't like a website page mm. for. I mean there is, but it's still not banners and it's not a regularly viewed thing that you can just get paid advertisement for. So. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, if you've got millions of followers, then obviously, and your videos are hitting millions of views, then you could. Like, during my viral spike, that just prior to Christmas, in the week uh, one of December, when it just started to go up, I earned a £1,000. 
in week two when for, it really kicked wait, off. How, how, many video, how many views did you get for that? Uh, well, this is it. By the time the, the second week had come round, the video had hit up to 28 million views and I earned £2,000 that following week. So that's £3,000 in two weeks. But that doesn't happen every week. No. It just doesn't. Because for the whole of October and November, I earned £300. Mm. Because I had no viral videos. I had my general sort of... My usual thing. So unless you can absolutely earn millions of views yeah. on every video, it's extremely hard to not have to go into advertisement and, and do it in an external way. It, it's... I mean, I know this. Because I'm, I'm at the, I'm usually working in the media agency you're pulled into. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not as in literally the one you're sure. pulled into, but I work at media agencies, and I'm aware that advertising doesn't pay anywhere near enough for the creators because it can't. Like it only works on mass, and the only reason it works for Google is because Google have billions of searches every day. Of course. Yeah, and I think it's dangerous thing for people not to know about because people go, oh, I'll just build a following of however many people on, you know, YouTube or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then I'll, and then I'll put ads on them and it'll be fine. And you're like, well, first of all, you'll annoy your audience, yep. which you've spent so long doing. And second of all, you won't make that much. No, no, like no. Like you no. said, tw- 28 million views, 3,000 yeah. pounds. You look- think, yeah. but if, you, if I had 28 million views on YouTube, we're talking 13, 14 grand. Right. So it's like, you know, that's... It, it, it doesn't weigh up at the moment. Facebook are trying to make it so that we're earning as much as YouTubers, but... YouTubers have, you know, because it was the first one and they've yeah. obviously nailed the way that people are advertised to and the fact that you can skip an ad and that still earns you revenue. Mm. You know, they're... they're... Well, well Goo- you, yeah. YouTube are owned by Google. Yes. And Google have been in the ad business far more than they're in the search business. I know it sounds weird, but the search business, they've got that down. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. might add a new tool and tweak it every so often, uh-huh. but they're way more invested in their advertising side than but- they Likewise, they're able to take more higher risks. You know, oh, if yeah. they want to pump five million into an idea and it fails, mm. that means that I mean crap to Google. They mm. don't care. Yeah, it's like a, a playground for them. They get to yeah. experiment, and and you know, whereas other things can really damage a reputation for like the one, the app, or the the social media platform. You know, it can, it can again, it's 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 too hard. It's too early in this whole thing you know i'd say over the last three years the seeds have been sown with this sort of thing Mm. but we're only really getting to that point where it's not becoming so much of a just a punt or a a Mm. stab in the dark for agencies they're actually starting to see the relevance and the value of what likes and views mean it you know it doesn't necessarily mean people are buying the product it means this many people have viewed your company name that's meaning more to them in social terms than what most adverts are used for, which is to sell, sell, sell. Mm. Whereas, you know, people are just now trying to build up online reputation yeah. and an affiliation. So And prove they can do the thing so that they can get paid for it. Absolutely. Which is what stand-up always is. When, it, when people start out and they're not getting paid, it's because they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not saying that people who aren't getting paid aren't good enough. I mean, I do a lot of free gigs still. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to ask yourself you know have i earned my stripes have i proved that i am worth paying yeah and and it's the same with what you're doing basically you yeah, know yeah. you you even if if your audience was less you might get paid slightly less but you would still know what you were doing yeah. if that makes sense yeah, yeah yeah well yeah like i say it's 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 still so new well relatively new that you know there's still a lot of testing mm. 
going out as far as that's concerned. Nothing's set in stone. Mm. Um, companies are still just, you know, you could pay me and that video could bomb. Mm. But you've paid me and that video is that video. Yeah. Whether it's good or not, I've posted it and put it. So it's a lot of responsibility on the, the creator as well as the brands actually putting the money over. Yeah. You've then got to have trust that your creator is going to pull through and do everything they can to make that video just as good as anything else they do. Because obviously... If you're paying someone that gets millions of views on their videos, the price goes up. You know, if they're getting that much, then what their worth goes up. Yeah. But they might make you a video that get, then gets a thousand views, and yeah. it's then does that agency go? Oh well, it doesn't matter. We'll just find someone else and we'll try it, try it again. No, that could absolutely be like. See, this is why we didn't do it. This mm. is why we've never done it. Let's not bother with that. Yeah. That one bad thing can totally disrupt how a, a brand then go about doing it in the future. Yeah. Or another brand might see it and be like, God, I wonder how much they paid for that. Isn't that bad? Like, mm. And then that brand, not even involved in it, just look at that as a general consensus and come to the opinion that it maybe isn't worth it. So, yeah, I mean, as time develops, hopefully, like I said, I'm a, I'm a lot more involved in the way social media advertisement is being done at the moment. So hopefully we're going to try and break some new boundaries and and see what we can do and try and shape it into something a bit more um, reliable for a brand mm. rather than them just sort of coming out and being like, we've got this much budget. What do you think you could do? You know, there's a lot more to it, definitely. But it's, advertising, you know, you've, you must have seen it. The advertisement world in general and agency life is owned by people that have made millions mm. of pounds early on in like the 80s and oh yeah uh, you know they're all like old men they mm. don't really understand the relevance no. of it and and it's trying to get agencies as well you know the amount of agencies i've walked into that are just young pretty people mm. and it's like this whole office is just young pretty people with no clue yeah you know it's trying to get people that actually have an idea of what they're talking about and it's a handful of people it is like, you know, actual influencers and stuff and can tell you, no, I've done this. You know why I've got more followers than your multi-million dollar mm. brand? Yeah. is because I know how to, you know, the algorithms of it and that. I've actually worked it up from nothing. Mm. Whereas these people just want to step in, hand over the money to it and yeah. want exactly the same return. Yeah. So it's, you know. They pump money. They do what you said, where you know you pump money into an ad, uh, p- promoted post, get a load of likes, and they go, "Hey guys, we got an extra thousand likes this week." And you're like, "Yeah, did that cost you two thousand pounds to do though?" Yeah, exactly. And, and with yeah. you, it's like, "Oh, I got a thousand new likes because I had good content." Yeah. I always when I when I'm so again because of my day job, whenever I'm in an interview and I'm talking to anyone, I point out to them, you know, before all of this, we had forums. Yeah. You know what I mean? I remember you remember forums. God, yeah. God, man. And and when you were in, when you had forums, you didn't go to a forum because it had the best advert leading to it. You went to it because it had the answer to the thing you wanted. Yeah. And you, for example, as a content creator, have the answer to the distraction that I need in my life. Hopefully so. Yeah. Yeah. They do not, and that's why they pump money into it. And it's yeah, like, yeah. And and then they wonder why they don't get the results. Well, again, it's trying to convince them that that is the way to go. For I, I strongly believe that influencer-based advertisement is mm. the way people will oh, want yeah. to be advertised to online because they know me. They mm. they know that person. They've seen that person. Yeah. They've followed them for a long time. It's not just plonked in their face. Yeah. And I, the, the amount of times I get frustrated when I see a post go up and then above it it says sponsored. Mm. 
I know that's just money's been chucked at that to put it yeah. in my eye line. It totally turns me away straight away. Yeah. I couldn't give a crap about the top promoted Twitter post that has been bought by Honda or whatever. You know. We really haven't got a Honda in this. (laughs) No, no, you've seeded that one. But no, it's true. I mean, like, and they they take hashtags that are totally irrelevant to them and they buy them. Like, you know, um, Easter weekend or whatever. They'll, why, why is like a car company bought hashtag Easter Sunday? Like, why have they, because they know everyone will be using that hashtag and they'll be the top of the search. It seems sneaky and, and not, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like being advertised to like that. So why would anyone else, yeah. especially a younger person, Yeah, you know, which is predominantly what social media is, young people forming their own communities and sharing stuff with their friends. You know, there are older people on it, but it's the younger generation that you've really got to start tailoring this stuff to and, and making sure that they like it because mm. if they like it then hopefully older people then see that it's relevant and cool and whatever and, and invest in it as well but like i said it's it's too easy to throw money at something and yeah. and get likes mm. of course i could you know if i had millions of pounds i could boost my page into stratosphere but is it real no i know because i've bought it yeah you know you can buy anything and mm. pretend that it You've earned it, but yeah. So speaking of stuff you haven't bought, have earned. Let's go to the Dapper Tour. Mm-hmm. That is something that I don't want to get into his comedy. I don't want to talk about that really. Yeah, because I think that's been pretty comprehensively covered on both sure. sides, and it's not relevant to you necessarily. Yep. Although the the element of how he got his tour and how he got you as a support act is yes. interesting. So he obviously got big on Vine as well. Yep. And then a lot bigger than you in the nicest possible way. Uh-huh. And obviously then management and things like that went, this is someone we maybe can make money out of. Absolutely. Booked him a tour. Yep. I presume he then went, what are you doing, Joe? <laughs> like, yeah, that- so no, I mean, it, it was actually a weird one. Um, Dan did stand up prior to mm. the Vine thing. You know, he was a cruise ship comedian doing all that sort of thing. And he did a uh, a big gig at Clapham Grand um, called Fight for the Funny, which was a hundred comedians doing a minute each, mm. um, and then you know it would get voted down. It was done in blocks of tens, and you voted for your favourite one to go through, and then the final ten battled it out, so that it was a winner. But Dan originally had seen me do the the gangster thing, and was like, "This is great. Would you open that gig?" Mm. So I got a ten minute spot at the beginning of that at the Clapham Grand mm. and I I mean it was the first time I'd ever actually been like I smashed it you know a whole room up in the balconies in the boxes the full sea of people the place was heaving with people mm. and I was getting laughter and applause like I'd never had before and then Dan mm. saw that and was a bit sort of I wouldn't say intimidated but see it and was like if I ever get a stand-up mm. tour you're going to be my supporting act and uh, we laughed it off and thought nothing more of it but then when it actually come round he held up to his promise it was like a year later and and he was like yeah would you actually do it because again I wasn't I wasn't a threat to Dan Dan was a joke teller mm. I was a musical comedian yeah. there was no there was no like what if he's funnier than me or you know it was a totally different act and it was a musical act it kind of got people primed because it was so loud and out there and I was like clowning around basically it it totally puts people at ease so I think probably that's where I'm best suited as as a warm-up act I liked going on first and setting the mood for the evening because it sort of lowered everyone's inhibitions and no one felt 
pressure. It's like, well, you know, it's so fun and out there. It just worked. And, and yeah, it was just fortunate enough that, you know, as we did grow on Vine, me and Dan did do a few bits together and we was we did start to do better than other people. So I sort of was a bit more of a reason to, to get involved in things. And I think Dapper's management at the time really liked me and we become friends and it just all sort of fell together. There was was never really a, a big reason other than the fact that we'd been friends and stayed in contact and were both making it big on this new app that no one else gave a crap about. I, you know, I was telling everyone, you've got to get on Vine. It's amazing. No one would listen. No one wanted to get involved. The amount of comedians probably pressured you at yeah, some yeah. point. Get on it, get on it, because it's going to change the world. <laughs> well, you, know? well, you, you, told, you told me to get on it, and I tried it. And I think the thing, the two things that turned me off were one, the loop, the, the constant looping. Yeah. That irritated me because I would, it, you would put it out, it would then show you what you put out, and then you'd watch it once, and then you'd go, oh, oh and then you'd keep watching. I'd watch it for like in a whole minute or something. Yeah, yeah. And I'd see the errors in it or the breaks in it. Sure. Or, and I'd just sit there going, oh, I'll take that down. I don't want anyone yeah, seeing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though I might have had like four followers or something, so then I started, um, you know, making vines that didn't include me. So that I didn't right. have to have that. Yeah, yeah, Because I yeah. thought that'd be a lot more fun. And that did better than anything I was in, which is a bit depressing. Yeah, it so, happens. Yeah. I had that on Vine early on. I was, again, making a load of content. And it was the first time I stole, you know, when Vine changed and you was able to upload videos into it, mm. previous stuff that you'd yeah. recorded, it opened up a whole world of things. You know, people could just put anything out yeah. there now. And there was this news report that went viral when I thought that's hilarious. I just put it out there and it kicked off like it's still my biggest vine. I think it's got 40 million loops. Wow. Uh, it got up to 33,000 likes and 20,000 revines. It was huge and it weren't mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, can't help it if it's, but you know, but that goes to show the power of your audience. Mm. If you have a big audience and you put something out, whether it's yours or not, yeah. the amount of memes I see getting stolen and I'm, I'm, part of that you know if i see a meme that's funny i take it and i post it to my audience not that i've done it but it's funny and they enjoy it and it gets loads of likes but it's not mine no but you you are a meme now i've had a few i've I've become a meme yeah (laughs) Yeah. how do you feel about being a meme it's all right it's all right it's all right yeah no i mean because i'm so out there on social media and i plaster stuff out there on my own accord it's not like anyone's taken my face I, i can't imagine being a meme and not wanting to be a meme Imagine one day you woke up and you saw your face on a meme and everyone's like saying like, I don't know, just I see some guy the other day, someone, uh, he woke up and there was a picture of him looking quite ill, but Mm. people were like, oh, like, this is what crack will do to you. And the guy (laughs) then had to go and defend himself and be like, no, when I was younger, I had a degenerative form of cancer that has affected the way I look and I've had muscle waste in my neck and stuff like that. So he's woken up and been a meme and an ambassador for what crack can do to you when this guy's gone through a life trauma. And that's out of your control because then it goes viral. No one knows that his name is whatever and he's a successful businessman and has grown up and got married and had a wife and kids despite all this. He has just become a meme. So in that respect, I could see that being horrifying and horrible thing to wake up and find that people have just taken mm. your image and put it out there in a horrible disrespectful way yeah. without knowing you whereas i am purposefully putting myself out there for everyone to do whatever they like you know if you want to take a screenshot of me pulling a weird face and post it about then you know i've kind of asked for it mm. um so in that respect i don't mind being a meme that's kind of what you want people mm. to because then people look at that and go oh look someone's gone through the effort of making one of these jokes into a meme it sort of helps 
elevate you into a, that more of a reputable person. But yeah, I, the weirdest thing for me is having pictures posted of me out and about. Yeah, I can imagine that's because that's, that's not what you're asking for. No, no. Like people post a picture of me on a train, and you know Sorry they posted it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean it's just me standing on a train and then post they posted a picture and put a comment on it saying oh, i saw this i saw him on the train earlier he didn't do anything funny but that's weird because <laughs> really was i not yeah i know, you I know but it's weird because then that picture i think they posted it on one of my lad bible videos uh on the lad bible page so that picture got like thirteen thousand likes on a comment mm. section yeah of me just standing on the train going about my life mm. i didn't know that person took a picture that creeps me out that's, that's be- weird that's better than that puddle yeah you're beating the, puddle. the picture of me and aaron uh my mate aaron craskell just walking down the road and people tweeting pictures of us like out of their car window taking mm. a picture oh i just saw joe and aaron being normal people <laughs> what are you talking about like that's odd We're that normal people anyway yeah and i've seen a few people like trying to hold up their phone and take sneaky pictures of me like i'm some sort of weird amusement mm. that's weird memes to me now like i said i i asked for that and and being a meme is quite funny. Mm. Especially the the skills thing. Yeah, I've got skills. The amount of people that have said that it sounds like I'm saying Skittles, yeah. that I've then turned that into a meme and yeah. with a picture of me holding some skills. You've got to run with it because yeah. they're jokes that everyone understands on the internet. That's what people want. Yeah. Oddly. Even <laughs> videos now are turning into video memes, you know, with mm. captions written above them and below them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why why that is, but it works. It's a formula that works. Someone has run with it, and it's become a thing that people then, you know, they don't want to see anything different. That's how they like having their produce served to them in that yeah. sort of sense. Now nah, I don't mind being a meme, <laughs> unless it's derogatory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a sh- I was going to really have. Fun. I was totally going to make some meme images for this blog. <laughs> okay, the tour when I because I followed it a bit as in yeah. just online generally. And it felt very much like meetups from Vine. Like it felt very much like a lot of them had watched a lot of your both of your content. Oh yeah. And and it felt more like a big meetup rather than a and yeah. especially the way Dapper was doing the uh, let's call him Dan because otherwise if people don't know who he is yeah um, Dan, the way that Dan did the gigs and made everyone stand and stuff yes it very much felt like. Is that fair? But also, also the gigs, well, the way he did the tour was um, he would do a gig and then there would be an after party at a club where you could come and meet him. And he would, you know, even after the gig, he would go out to the, the uh, foyer, mm. sign, you know, people were buying T-shirts, he'd sign the T-shirt. So it was like a little meet and greet thing mm. there. But then, you know, at the end of the gig, he'd be like, we're going to this club. Uh, we'll be there so mm. we'd go on to the club and that was a more of a way to meet him up close and personal and have a picture mm. with him and stuff so it was orchestrated very much like a meet and greet type way but in in showing that he had more to offer than just being a guy that turned up to places yeah. it was nicer you know and especially first stand-up tour um, you know it was the second tour he did that I wasn't involved in mm. that caused the controversy the first tour he did was 10 years of a stand-up's life work going into action mm. It was, you know, they're always the best ones. Mm. Those big DVD releases of the comedians first, because that is a, a combination of their best work that they've done for free over the yeah. course of however many years. It's the best stuff. Where I think his downfall was maybe in the second tour, he wasn't ready for it, didn't want to do all these known stuff, so mm. went out and did a lot more ad lib yeah. freestyling, which then, of course, is unruly. It can go anywhere. If you've got audience that are bantering back and forth with you, that's how that Inever- yeah, that line that come out where he then got accused of doing a rape joke when in essence he just 
repeated what a girl had shouted out in the audience. Um, and that little snippet damaged such a, you know, did so much damage to him. That mm. one little bit taken out of context. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. But the, 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 the to answer your first question, the, I think the first tour in particular was a way of meeting up with people that people hadn't had before, especially in England. Mm. This is a very done thing that American yeah. social media stars would turn up to shopping malls and the shopping mall would then have to close due to security things because thousands of seas of kids would turn up and stampede and I'd never seen anything like that in mm. England. Um, and I think Dapper was definitely a breakthrough for that because, again, Dapper wasn't a polished comedian. He was a lad's lad, mm. you know, and, and that's what people sort of invested in was he's like us. Mm. He's, he, you know, he's a, a wheeler dealer, mm. a bit cockney and he was very, very niche and likeable at that time and, say this the stand-up tour was a good way of people making it feel like oh my god i can go and watch this live and then possibly meet him it was very well orchestrated i feel and i i got to ride off the back of that you know because i'd obviously built up my own following people would see me in a few videos and that was the first time really that i'd ever felt appreciated by real people mm. not just liking and commenting yeah, on yeah. thing people like as i would walk off stage and go back around the thing people would stop me and try and get pictures with me like oh my god it was like so rewarding to have that knowing that it predominantly come out to social media and not any of the previous work I'd done on stage it had all come out of mine have you thought about doing meetups for your own stuff like maybe putting a meetup for, for your fans on yeah I mean we we did vine meetups mm. we, no I mean just like a Joe meetup kind of thing like. I would like to but again it's it's almost like the, the anxiety of no one turning up yeah, and yeah. how embarrassed I would feel from that that you don't want to put yourself in such an awkward situation I, I don't know how that feels having put on loads of gigs and, and just have millions of people just, just no but I don't think <laughs> yeah no, but that's the thing would millions of people turn up because like but I say it's so much easier to, to like uh, a a video on Facebook because it's there. The like button is just, just click that. Mm. But actually telling people, buy a train ticket, come down to this location and stand in a big crowd and watch me on stage wave at you. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to come meet up and I'm going to have a drink and a chat and have time for every single person that turns up or will anyone turn up? And then it takes a handful of people that did turn up, maybe 10 people, be like, oh, I came to the Joe Charmer meet up, take a selfie and it looks so pathetic and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of anxiety and, and uh, paranoia attached to it as well for me. That's why when we did the Vine meetups in the day, it's so much easier to share that burden because mm. it's like there's going to be the top Viners, but then it goes down in sets. You know, you've got the people that are the top Viners, yeah. but then you've got all these other sets that have built their own little group. They might not have yeah, yeah, yeah. all of the following, but there are still 10,000 people that follow them. And they might be just interested in going to meet. So you sort of share the burden and, and people can then go, and, oh, Dapper's over there. I'll go get a picture yeah. with Dapper. And then you say, oh, my God, look, it's him over there and go and meet yeah, up yeah. with them. So it's a lot easier to do that than just putting the, the pressure on yourself. Because yeah. I, like I said, I wouldn't. I feel really awkward. Yeah. I really would. Yeah. Especially turning up on your own. What Do I turn up first? Do I, yeah. Well, yeah. Do I rent security? Yeah. Do I need a stage or can I just go and be in a place and expect people to tell it's such an odd concept for me yeah. I, I mean I would like to it's an, you know it's one of the most rewarding things is to have people actually tell you they like your video in person rather than mm. just clicking a like button yeah. it is so much more rewarding and you feel like it's validating everything you do you're not just doing it so when you get recognised yes. people come over to you you yeah. like that I do and I don't 
Right. It, you know, it depends on the situation. Like I said, I don't, I don't like it when people are trying to take sneaky pictures of me. I'd, I'd rather I don't they. Think anyone likes that. No, yeah. but I mean, I would rather them come up and say hello, and and I'd, I'd prefer that sort of engagement. But you know, then there's awkward times like I got followed around the supermarket whilst I was doing shopping with Hannah, and then a guy's like, you know, coming up to me trying to. Can I can I just take a picture? And it's like I don't want to be rude because I really appreciate that you want a picture with me. But I am just doing my shopping, and then Hannah gets annoyed if she hasn't like got her makeup on or because she feels that people are then looking at her while she's mm. with me. And so the, you know it does create some sort of social yeah. awkwardness because you know I'm a I'm a fairly confident person, but I, I suffer with social anxieties as much as the next person. You know I I stumble over my words sometimes and get a bit sort of it's very awkward when these people almost come up to you like hey like a friend i haven't seen for 10 mm. years but i don't know who you are do i know who you are mm. did i once met, or do you know me just off the internet because yeah. that isn't a thing you know it's like have i forgotten who you are have i met you yeah. at one point or yeah so i mean i like it and i don't but i would never you know if people want pictures with me i never turn anyone away and i always straight away switch on the smile and and because I've had it. I've, I, I hassled Russell Howard in, in uh, Starbucks once, and he was clearly on his phone, looking down, trying not to be bothered by Watching people. Watching one of your vines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. That would have been amazing. But I could tell. Yeah. I could tell that he was purposefully keeping his eyes down so he didn't clock anyone, so that anyone could be like, you. Yeah. He didn't want that. Yeah. But I felt so strongly that mm. I needed... I tapped him on the shoulder. Hey, Russ, can I have a picture? And God bless him. He's so nice about it. And he had the picture with me. But I bothered him mm. in whilst he was out for his morning coffee. Yeah. And since, you know, I, I, I get it because it's happened to me now. Mm. Um, you know, me and Hannah got chased down the motorway. Guys driving like really fast behind us, shouting, oh, I've got skills out of window, trying to take pitch while I'm driving down the motorway. It's like dangerous shit. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. Just... If you're listening to this, judge it properly. <laughs> if yeah. I am in the toilet, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, well, it depends on what you're doing in the toilet. Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm standing a great... in a photo booth, then by all means, come and join me. But if I'm having a piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave it out. <laughs> I got piss. We're going to do it. People comment, oh, I hope you enjoyed that sandwich earlier. What are you talking about? You're watching me eat? I haven't had a sandwich in three days. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Uh, these are quick fire questions I okay, ask cool. everyone so you can they're quick fire for me you take as long as you want to answer sure. okay right uh, what are, normally what I'd ask is what are the best books on comedy writing stand up or whatever that you've ever read but I think with you probably social media advertising would be more relevant or, or what what books are relevant to your life that you've read that you would recommend I can't you know what it's, it's going to sound really bad but I'm going to say that I'm not a massive reader I don't read things to tell me how to do it I'm a very much get involved Try and f- if it works, it works. If it don't, right. just don't. You know, try and find something else. Okay. Um, so I've just tried to roll with the punches. Basically, I've been very fortunate that some things have fallen in line, and I haven't had to seek out extra advice. But again, I've been extremely fortunate as well with the people that I've surrounded myself with are also doing the exact same thing. Mm. So you learn off their experiences. They might give you, a, oh, did you know that if you did this, then you know more people see that, or you know, like if you come up with obscure hashtags chances are someone might search that hashtag mm. and if you've got the top one of that you know it puts you out into a whole new yeah. eyeline of people you know mm. so it's a, there's a big learning process and I, but i've never felt that i've learned how to do the social media from books i've learned purely by being hands-on with it okay 
what is the biggest mistake you've oh, made? Oh, except for your book, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to leave that all in. <laughs> now I have to completely leave that in. Yeah, so no, anyway. I'm expecting a signed book by you. You can, you can, you can I'll sign everything Teach in your flat. Teach me everything I need. <laughs> yeah, so I'll sign everything in your flat, mate. Like, this is happening now. Before I leave, I'm going to sign yeah. your yeah. door. So just, just to recap, Simon Kane's book about how to make money on social media <laughs> is by far the best book I could advise you to buy. Do you have any idea how much I'm cropping that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you, Joe, for that definite really endorsement <laughs> that was not at all pre-planned. Or no, no, no. What I love is, like, you said, oh, I don't advertise stuff that I don't believe. And then... And then <laughs> <laughs> Just totally sold out. <laughs> and then, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. My book will sell. <laughs> Please buy it. It was taken two years. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you sell it to that's how you sell it to people. Please. Do you have any idea? Oh my god, man, it's taken two years to write and I and I turned down a publisher that like was like properly into it because I because the first book I put out was like they they were really into it. Yeah. But they, they took my manuscript and then did everything else. And like I just lost control. You know when you yeah, were like you yeah. like being in control I just lost control of it and because I'd signed the contract by that point and it was it was a major publishing house, yeah. I was like, I don't feel like I'm a small fish here. I can't say anything. And then I got offered another one and I was like a bit more Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna try and see if I can launch it on my own and then go from there. Yeah. And then and then if someone wants me to like go to more people we'll talk then. So yeah, like I say, learn from experiences. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully it works yeah. out. Yeah. I believe it will. I, thank you. I, more than you do, apparently. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like you don't, I don't think you believe in your work as much as you should in, as an no, artist. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. You've got, well, like I say, it's, it's good to remain critical of yourself and yeah. not think that everything you do has it's the Midas shit. touch. You know, <laughs> yeah, got to be yeah. realistic in this world, don't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My book's shit. Don't Painfully buy it. optimistic. <laughs> um, right, okay. What is the biggest mistake you ever made and how did you overcome it? Oh, oh! Biggest mistake. Um, no. <laughs> I made a mistake. No, no, because all of a sudden you've gone from oh maybe you shouldn't have a mitosis touch and everything. No, because so, you know, know every, everything that you 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 think of as a mistake in some way has shaped and built what I've I've turned into. You know, um, the fact that me and Hannah my girlfriend we're we're back together after like a six-year breakup now six years ago when that happened biggest mistake of my life the worst person i could have been and so disappointed with myself but through that i then developed and became a better person went into the stand-up then the stand-up then ultimately led to my social media and it's led to who i am now so was it a mistake no it may have been something that yes it seemed at the time tragically bad but i utilized that and turned it into something positive which, you know, has changed my life now. Me and Hannah are back together, got a lovely house, cute dog, um, both in great careers. And, you know, so was that a mistake or no? No, mm. probably not. And, you know, you need need to look for the positive in these things. And I think you can you could get battered down by so many things. That, oh, should I could have done that? But then naturally think of your path and your journey that that mistake then has possibly led you to. Mm. Was it really a mistake? No, mm. you know, I, I can't think of, of anything that, I would change because if I changed it, it's like the butterfly effect. Would I now have this yeah. because that didn't happen? So I would never categorize things as, as, as mistakes. I mean, actually that, that tattoo that I got when I was 16, right. well, I'll get Simon to take a picture of it. That's that, yeah. that might be, that might be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> How did you overcome it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't, I've just put up with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Just in case you don't see a picture of it, I do have a gimp 
tattooed on my side with a slight arrow pointing towards my genitalia. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I was 16. I got it done free at a tattoo oh, yeah. convention, you know, and, and oh. by a, a famous artist that I really look up to. So, you know, not, not necessarily a mistake, but as I've gotten older, I've started to be like, Nah. Maybe, I maybe I didn't need an arrow to no, maybe him. I could have just got him to draw me something on a piece yeah, of paper yeah, yeah. that I could have stuck to my fridge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no we've got a permanent reminder now so yeah. well okay. no try that day I mean try not to have mistakes in your life and if you do feel that it is a mistake then try and work out a way to utilize that for the better it might take a year six years oh, whatever yeah. eventually you'll realize that 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 journey that you're on can be made into something positive. So. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So, sometimes it's uh, hard to see the wood from the trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. completely. I mean, it's very easy to get wrapped up in emotions when stuff's going bad. Um, but then, you know, hopefully t- over time, you learn to heal those wounds and see what they actually turn you into, which hopefully is a stronger, better person. Mm. Um, okay. Well, for me in particular, anyways. Cool. What is the most interesting thing you do that nobody ever gets to see that's related to your work? Ooh. I don't want something dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I was going to tell you about my ping pong trick. <laughs> uh, say that again. What? what is the most interesting thing you do that nobody ever really gets to see? Most interesting thing that I do? Oh, I don't know, you know, because I live my life so openly on social media now, even to the point that, you know, moving into this house and decorating it and stuff, I, I turned that into a whole thing of showing people on Instagram my constant DIY feats mm. and stuff like that but you know i live it my life so openly that i don't think there's many things that people don't see that i do them to be honest that's, that's a bit of an odd yeah bit of an odd one i mean i would say that main mainly on my social media that not a lot of people have seen the beatbox thing and know that i can do that and you know i posted a thing the other day saying three years ago i was on telly doing comedy beatboxing and people were like where can i see it why are you not doing this now it's like so I guess that's that that remains slightly uh, niche, and, mm. and maybe people did see me back in the day. So I always mm. think that no one's ever mentioned it. Did I see you do a gig? Yeah. Like, but chances are you've probably seen my video and would never have known that I was that guy doing that yeah. gig and and stuff. I never get anyone be like, I saw you on the Dapper Last tour. Yeah. It's like almost two separate entities now yeah. because what I do now is so vastly different to what I did then. So. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I, I live my life so openly on social media. There's not a whole lot that people don't get to see. Mm. What, uh, who is the most underrated person in your industry? Oh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't name drop anyone. So that'd be unfair. That would be unfair. Um, my brother. Ben Charman. Oh, don't you go. No, 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 no. Oh, to be fair, no. He is I'm quite telling under, you. He is I'm quite telling... a low following. Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah. But one of the most talented people I think I've... I've got the pleasure of calling a friend and, and also my brother, you know, mm. the the kid is an extreme talent and extremely unappreciated because what he does is hasn't always got his face attached to it. Mm. You know, it's art and it's creative and it's, you know, you can just enjoy it for its content, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you actively then go and seek out yeah. the face of that guy, yeah. you know? And, and so that's why Ben's following has been harder to get. Uh, hold of but his content doesn't suffer his content gets loads of engagement but him as a person people haven't yet bought into but hopefully that comes as he progresses and and gets you know he's 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 quite an introverted person and never really liked putting his face out there so much but i think yeah i think he's quite underrated at the moment but 2016 there's there's a lot of stuff coming up for him and uh you're gonna be hearing a lot more about him i'm gonna have him on the podcast at some point so yeah uh, no you've got to i mean yeah yeah. that'll that'll boost his following (laughs) (laughs) yeah no well Um, no extremely yeah yeah very proud of ben okay 
what it, well, again this question see, it's kind of tricky because I have to keep editing the questions for you the question normally is what do you think is the biggest problem in the comedy industry and how would you solve it now for you I think it would probably work shut up and do your own stuff stop worrying about everybody else I still see it. I still see it. I went over to the Comedy Collective the other day and had a scroll through people bitching about what that person's done, bitching about that gig that that person's got. How do I get... Just shut up. Get on with your own journey. Enjoy it. And stop worrying about other people. They may get to other heights, but, you know, don't let them step on your toes. You're not stepping on their toes. Everyone has their own individual place. You are Mm. never in that much of a competition with people. Just enjoy it. I see so much bitchiness in... I mean, you say about tailoring this one for the comedy, but it's the same with social media. Mm. The amount of people that you, you're, they're your mates, but you almost feel like you're in rivalry mm. with them, seeing how much they, how many likes they got for that video, or how many followers they get in through this, or you know, it's a constant bad. But don't worry about it. You know what they do does not directly affect you. You are on different paths. Some of the followers may be the same, but no one is not following me because they follow someone else and. Likewise, you know, it's just get on with your own journey and stop being so involved in other people's stuff. With it's almost it comes from a jealous place, Mm. absolutely. But and an insecure insecurity, Mm. yeah, yeah. But I mean, that is to me that was always the biggest issue for me is people just wanting to worry about other people. Like, don't just don't. What does it matter? You joined this on your own. You didn't join this to compete with other people. You did it initially for your own self but yeah. then you get so involved in it and it becomes like it's very cliquey and the vanity metric yeah, yeah. like you yeah. said like you said you focus on oh the likes or whatever and it's like don't lose sight of the fact that those likes are actual people in the world of course and yeah. then and then you start you know some people chase the likes and, and hate what they do mm. i don't do that enjoy it constantly enjoy it stop worrying about other people and just love what you do because if you don't love what you do it won't last as long as you think it's going to it just won't. People aren't aren't interested in in jealousy or. Mm. So yeah, that that would that would be my my answer to that. Mm. If you had an extra hour in the day, what would you do with it? Four sleep. <laughs> you know what? There's never enough time for sleep, mate. There's never enough time to sleep. Okay. What's uh, the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Oh. <laughs> no, no, that's a that's a, a best bit of advice. I mean, I don't know whether it's advice really but my granddad george was it still is my idol he passed away a few years ago and it's not advice but it was just the way he was in general so open so giving to any would give you his last pound if it meant it did something for you so generous and you know him as a person is my life model. I want to be like Granddad George. There's not. A, I've never heard a bad word against that man. Everyone, all my mates used to go. You know, we used to come watch my dad play uh, in his band and stuff. My Granddad would come along, and my Granddad be in the front row, rocking with us, jumping about. It's so. It's not necessarily advice, um, but just just his general way of being has 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 massively inspired me to to try and be a better person and always give people the benefit of the doubt until they really do you wrong you know so i think yeah i I learned a lot of him no one single piece of advice but just the mantra for Mm. how to be in life because it's so positive and very hard to not like that person yeah because of the way they just put it all out there so yeah I, i wouldn't say it was an actual solid piece of advice but you know just enjoy life and, 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 and if you had one bit of advice for someone who wanted to start building a social media following 
how would you because do you think it's even possible now because like you said youtube was all sewn up she went to vine yeah is vine sewed up uh no not at all not at all but i think too many people come into it for the wrong reasons or thinking that it's going to be super easy um to just achieve fame they Mm. they want to step in at the level that we're at now and they don't understand that four years of stand-up comedian uh, doing stand-up comedy and two years of being a relative unknown on social media, slowly building it up and learning and getting involved in community and all that is, you know, whereas people I see, you know, I get a lot of messages. I want to be like you. How can I do it? I can't tell you how to do it. You've got to want to do it. You've got to have trust in yourself. You kind of, you know, you can't be self-conscious if you're going to put yourself out there somewhere. You can't worry if people think you're a weirdo or you look strange or, You know, you've just got to go for it. But you can only do that if you want to and you actually like it. Mm. Couldn't I couldn't give you a solid piece of advice to get you there. It's just got... You know, you've also got to put up with no one liking your stuff for ages. Mm. Yeah. Breaking through that barrier is the hardest thing. Why am I doing this for three likes a day? Like, yeah. but I loved doing it. I loved making videos. And over time, my videos got better and people invest in that. And then they invest in you and trust in you. So... That'd be my advice. As, as long as you enjoy it and you're willing to to do it for other reasons other than just becoming popular or having numbers on mm. on, on on a social page, you know, it's got to be a lot more to it than that. Mm. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. You're very welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. That was Joe. He's got skills. What are you going to do about it? That is why, again, I should not be allowed to have a catchphrase. I love chatting to him. As he said, it'd been a few years since we'd met up and had a chat because he'd gone off and done his online thing. I'd gone off and done the circuit thing. And it was like no time had passed and I really enjoyed it. I'm hoping to set up a podcast with him soon, talking about social media, building audiences, creating content and everything in between. So if you're interested in that, please join the Ask the Industry podcast group on Facebook. Just type in Ask the Industry podcast on Facebook and it will come up. I'm not going to patronise you any more than that actually was. Um, if you'd like to find any of Joe's social media profiles, you can either go to the show notes of this podcast or Google and type in Joe Charman. He is everywhere. You can't miss him. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy my book. Yes, that's right. I'm going to do one last plug for it I, <laughs> because I'm nailing this advert shit. It's called How to Make a Limbo Working for Free. There's a link in the show notes. There's a link on my website at simonkane.co.uk. It's also on Indiegogo. It's currently being crowdfunded. It's £5 for a digital copy, £8 for a paperback copy. If you would like to support me and you're enjoying these podcasts, it would be really helpful if you went and bought a copy. If you'd like to preview the book, a few chapters are available at simonkane.co.uk forward slash mumbles.pdf or you can find a link for that in the show notes or you can download me reading that to you on the RC Industry podcast. It's a couple of episodes ago. Give it a whirl. It's free. Why not? If you like this episode, I think you might also like episode 16 with Liz Mealy. Uh, She's an American comedian who made her videos go viral and we talk about how she made that happen, how that impacted on her coverage in her native country, as well as built her own online fan base and managed to go from pretty much nothing to quite a useful amount of fans around the world. So if you would like to get that episode, just subscribe and you can download it for free off of here. That's all for me from now. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for supporting. Thank you very much for buying my book if you do. I will see you in about 10 days' time. Bye! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.